This <laughs> that throws me off every time don't, now. <laughs> don't don't be alarmed by our computer overlords. It's not like we could put a minigun on a on a robo dog or anything. Oh wait. Well, as long this as is wrong. Make robo cats. Uh, I think we're okay. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet recently that said if cats could text, they wouldn't. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would call. For yeah. the, the dumbest things. <laughs> yeah, exactly, at the wrong time. Um, yeah. But, you know, aside from that, I wanted to tell you that this is Wrong Rocket. And Chris. Nope. Oh, oh and you're Deeply d- Dapper? You're, you're Deeply Dapper. Let's let's be consistent with our yes. format. All right, and yes. it's time to, uh, well, you know what time it is. Release it's 20... the robot kraken. How... You're right. I was about to say, don't mutate the. You're right. It is a robot kraken. We're going to release it. Release the Kraken. We're off to a fine start, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, not... we are. We're we didn't on take fire, a... baby. We didn't take a month off and, and try not to get killed by the atmosphere and our <laughs> fellow humans or anything. Yeah, it's 2022, baby. Here's another one I have. Actually, I had this teed up to send you. If cats could talk to cops, they wouldn't. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's, it's also applicable. Um, sweet. So, uh, Mr. Deeply Dapper, it is now 2022. And we didn't I am do... 22. Well, hmm. um, you don't look it. Uh, we didn't do an end of the year... <laughs> we, we didn't do an end of the year thing you do about all the wonderful things and all the things we're looking forward to i almost feel like that's somewhat appropriate because since time space has no meaning and we're in 2020 version three it doesn't you know <laughs> let's just I wish go. that wasn't so true but yes i agree completely like i don't know if i could differentiate what happened to 2021 versus 2018 at this point <laughs> i was listening to another show and they were talking doing their roundups and I was astonished that I couldn't identify what what came out in twenty one versus twenty versus nineteen. Even it's it's yeah. meaningless to me, yeah. it, especially you, with have... streaming, right? Yeah, and that's part of it too. But man, it's just it's wild to think that like I feel like it's been a year since I watched Dune, and it wasn't that long ago. But it's just everything is just blended together. And we will talk about Dune, but we need other compatriots in order to do that. Yes. But it's, yes, we need we need the rage crew to get together. That's right. But you know, um, the the my son is this is this is the world I live in now. As my kids just text me. Um, in this instance, it's okay that they texted me because they shouldn't be interrupting me. But they're interrupting me with a text. Yes, sir. I'm gonna say he wants to raid my closet I, for snacks. I don't. <laughs> Like, it, what's the for, point of hiding anyone snacks? For that is unaware, uh, Tom does not actually wear clothing. He only dresses in snacks. <laughs> in snacks. That's right. Well, you know, it's... Mostly not much, jerky. Yeah, not much point in hi- in hiding the, the the sweets or the things you don't want the kids to, to get into if they know exactly where it is. He's young yeah, enough that he asked permission, which is fantastic, but... That is fantastic. Um, you've beat, you've browbeaten him well. Well, and another thing that's weird is like you haven't been back to the theater since uh, you you still had a movie pass card, and um, and I <laughs> have a functioning been back. one, just one. I just right. carried it around in my wallet. Yeah, sure. 
and I and I have and I have been back a number of times in the tail end of the seemingly endless pandemic, specifically because due to the way we could reserve the seats at all the theaters mm-hmm. now, I can go right in at the last minute, make sure there's no one in the theater, click, and we have an empty theater. And so I've done that on several films in oh <laughs> maybe several as an aggregate, but you know what I mean. A fraction yeah. of what it used to be, but I've seen four or five or six movies in the theater with the kids since um since the pandemic and but so you walk into the the empty lobby and click on the computer thing and you're like it's clear row go 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 <laughs> yeah i do it at home the theater kind of thing well we have the, <laughs> oh you do it at home well the theater is Ooh, about fancy yeah the theater is is uh two miles down the or whatever a mile and a half down the road um which is two hours of travel time in california so. generally speaking if we don't take the uh, the wrong rocket corporate uh copter but um <laughs> One of those Cobra helicopters where the rotors are completely disconnected and all wrong. Um, and it's, anyway, I, th- I thought you were upgrading to jetpacks this year. Did you push that back? Well, supply shortages is the problem. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. And much like Market our fuel, well, much like one of our subjects tonight, Boba Fett, I don't use the jetpack nearly as often as I should. Ha! I should be. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point. <laughs> anyway, so it's only a mile and a half down the road or whatever, and so I don't tell. The family, except for one case, I didn't tell the family um, that we're going to, you know, it's on. I wait until you know, like midweek or something and then I check and I'll just check it on the website. And as soon as I see that it's mm-hmm. empty, I'm like, boom, boom, we go. And so it's like I drop everything and run to the theater. And then we do the thing nice. you said with you run in there like it's a thing. <laughs> but look, Chris, uh, do um, it. I think we just forego the um, the uh, the roundup of news and we just dive right into some content because we have content to talk about, and we should just dive into it. Don't you think? Yeah. Although, I wouldn't mind sucking the monkey, because I'm curious what you're drinking tonight. All right. Are you then. drinking anything fun? I am. Um, I'm drinking an espresso out of a fancy ember mug. So that's... Ooh, just, ember mug. This is just, uh, you know, I'm just broadcasting about my white privilege. Um, you know, I, I follow uh, a girl on the tiktok called morgan and she's a very she's like a barista and she shouts out the the benefits of the ember mug regularly as does well. she really yeah yeah she's a big fan i only know yeah. one other person that has one and it's um a friend of mine who is a coffee lover He's a millionaire oh I mean <laughs> yeah a coffee lover. yeah yeah and he eventually <laughs> got one um recently cool like he, he just mm. got it right I, I i think that the only argument hmm we talked a lot about it really recently about whether this is even worth doing because definitely the the hot plate method of keeping your coffee warm sucks because mm-hmm. it cooks the uh, cooks the bottom of the coffee and whatever. Right. And then but if you have the the old detective agency sludge you're drinking. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You nailed it. I just vis- instantly visualized something from Kubert would or uh, um you know, would draw, but like, um, Kubert, yeah. Kubert's not doing the drawing, but Kubert is, um, Kubert. <laughs> can you imagine Kubert talking to himself? Like I do while drawing, you're worried, you're worried, you know, see what I did. Uh, but anyway, the thing is it, the Ember only has one leg up over one of those, a very well-designed carafe or not carafe, but like a tumbler that is a double yeah, walled like tumbler thermos, that can maintain. Yeah. yeah I, and I use those for years. That thing will keep your coffee, the temperature it's at for a thousand years. The problem is. So for those that don't know what an ember mug is, it's a like a 
It's an app-assisted mug that it is. lets you set what temperature it keeps your beverage at. And yes. it sounds absolutely indulgent, and it Bougie. is, but it's also pretty rad as hell. <laughs> yeah, they wound copper wiring into the ceramic all the way up, so it's uniform heat distribution. And then yeah. you set with the app, and, and you know... You don't have to have your phone to drink your coffee, but you're setting its parameters at a, uh, at any given time. But you set it for the target temperature, so that means if it's too hot, it's going to cool itself off. It's too too cool, it'll warm itself up. It's it's a great system. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty sweet. One would argue you just drink your coffee and you're done. Um, but I'm someone that does tend to linger, and I'm yeah. also one that has outraged most people I know because I'll sit there and drink lukewarm or even cold coffee out of that same cup because kind of a slut with 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 coffee but this is nice because that you know i can stretch it out for um the way most of my mornings are i'm running around like a maniac trying to get the dog right. and the kids sorted and everything else and i don't get much except for weekends i really don't get time to just sit there or lay in bed and drink a cup of coffee so it's well, nice that it keeps that it time going. to like get the just the right coffee and then you forget you have it and you go back to it yeah. and it's cold and it sucks that's the worst well, and, and, you know, my, my buddy that I was talking about, he, he and I also like to do pour-overs at other times. And, and I'll sometimes do a pour-over at night. And we were laughing about the fact that we've gone through, like, between he, he, he and him and I, like, six different pour-over um, assemblages, right? You know, of the <laughs> ceramic thing holding the thing and then the, where the filter goes and the drip. And, 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 and talking to people that we know who are coffee people. Maybe Morgan that you follow would have some opinions on this about like, you know, do you wet the filter and is the t target temperature of the water necessary? And what about when you did your grounds and all this shit? And then I laugh mm -hmm. with him because I said, you know, at the end of the day, if I didn't do an ember and it's just I put coffee, whether it's an espresso or pour over in a regular mug, mm -hmm. I throw milk in and microwave it. So <laughs> yeah. <there's> the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also I drank... I drink Nescafe for I, years, so come on. I I've mean... seen you make best Western coffee. <laughs> yeah. I know how you do it. <laughs> yeah. I do sometimes, that more often than not these days, especially since I'm working from home again, I will use my like uh, milk milk frother thing to create that and put that in the coffee, and that keeps it 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 ruin it it eliminates the imbalance in temperature, so it'll stay warm longer and it's tasty. And mm. so there you go. So guys. That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> what are you having? <laughs> I'm just drinking wassail with some Jack Daniels in it. So nothing so, too exciting. What is wassail and does it exist? It doesn't exist. So I'm actually <laughs> just drinking Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> wassail and Jack. Um, yeah, it works well. Um, wassail is a cranberry, apple, raspberry, clove, uh, orange peel, cinnamon, spiced mold beverage. Mold traditional. beverage. Mold. We beverage. cook it in a crock pot and keep it warm all day. And anytime you're in the mood for something warm, you go get some wassail. And in so my is that, case, I added some Jack. Is that the difference between um, wassail and like spiced spiced wine or whatever it is? Is that according to you, your wassail has mold in it, and the other one is mold, or what? What's the? <laughs> no, I believe the difference is that spiced wine has wine in it. <laughs> <laughs> you're such an ass about the details i mean look at the bigger picture so you're having some wassail and jack that's reasonable yes all right yes. so and we're gonna the honey and we're oh and some honey and honey i'm gonna be accurate yes. in the documentation um so we're gonna forego the they'll use your bones for tools or will they segment because we want to get right to it 
now that we're done also, talking about all of coffee. our bones are tools now They're, they really are well and the other thing is in the other form i just honestly since since mid-december when we recorded the last show for this podcast i haven't even had a chance to crack the news sites and read things because i'm constantly be- well i've been behind on catching up on some of these we, we were talking about the you know being in this pandemic and it's it's like there's nothing to look forward to and we don't even know and we don't get to go out whatever but the reality is we are really lucky in the 21 to 22 transition because we've had two or three or four really great pieces of content as fans to enjoy my thing was Mm. try not to get them spoiled for me before i saw them and i was only about 50 percent successful yeah i'm i'm really trying to avoid spoilers knowing that there are certain things like Spider-Man that I haven't seen yet, but ooh, it's hard these days. <laughs> I, it really is. And that's why I kind of fell off reading the entertainment news because I couldn't yeah. trust them to not. Because despite the fact that the majority of audiences that are reading that content off those news aggregators are at home and stuck and can't get to the content, <laughs> they are right. it, just like everything else in the news cycle now, they're racing to be first. And so they'll immediately post... 10 things you missed in the finale of, you know, yeah. you know, shut up. Like, give me a second, right? And yeah, really. It's it's more imbalanced than ever before. That's my that's my uh, P- PSA for tonight. So do you want to talk about the Hawkeyes or do you want to talk about the Boba Fett's tonight first? Let's talk about do? the Hawkeyes first. Let's talk about the Hawkeyes. Okay, I think we should. So Hawkeye, uh, mm-hmm. it's been a while since this was in development for quite, you know, quite a bit. We talked about it here and there, but your general... Uh, feeling going into it by the time it finally came around did you feel like you had some preconceived notions about it or some hopes or some fears about what it might be man i don't know like i was mixed with it because hawkeye is not a character i have any real super interest in and i don't particularly care for the render version of it but Mm -hmm. by the same token my brother's favorite character of all time is hawkeye and right. I don't know why. I don't have an explanation for that. But <laughs> boxing glove arrows. Yeah, and so I there was at least like a certain level of hope that it was good just if only for my brother's sake. And yeah. especially as someone who loved Hawkeye growing up but didn't necessarily like the runner version either. So hmm. I was really curious to see what we were coming into with this. I had the same I have the same resistance to it that I have about um, most characters that have a, a tool, and that tool is their entire identity. So, mm-hmm. a character with a sword, a character with a gun, a staff, a bow and arrow, and 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 because it defines them, they can't use other things. That's always right. really bored me. They've implied yeah. that Hawkeye is really good at a lot of things, and you know maybe he could use they even use it in the show. You know his skills go beyond his marksmanship skills go beyond the bow and arrow. And, you know, he's not just a, a, a post-human RPG character with one power. He's, you know, he, he could bounce the thing or he flip a bottle cap or whatever. The right. stuff like we saw that they were really leaning into with bullseye in the last mm-hmm. season of the Netflix daredevil. But as a rule, these characters defined by their weapon, all they can do is do the, use the weapon. And it's really boring. Right. And the only way out is characters like maybe some of the stuff in the Iron Fist slash Ninja side of the Marvel Universe in the MCU where, you know, maybe they generally have a weapon that they use. Elektra uses size a lot, but mm-hmm. you know what? Without it, 
with a sword or some other thing, she's still powerful. In this instance, yeah. mm, you know, nope. it's he just used the bow and arrow almost exclusively. In the entirety <laughs> of the MCU that we've seen, Renner Hawkeye, all he did was fire an arrow or hold an arrow in a in a really awkward way. And my biggest pet peeve is the thing where he has it co uh, compressed and then he fist pumps and then it extends outward and snaps into bowiness. Oh, yeah. Fucking nuts. I hate that. Um, and it did, also didn't help that he had that ridiculous haircut in in, uh, in Endgame or whichever of the movies it was. Yeah. And he had the pompadour with the shaved sides and stuff. So, no. No, thank you. Now, so I was not interested in anything related to Hawkeye being a Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. But I was interested in uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I like the concept yeah, of Kate Bishop great. as a character. And I like her as a as an actress and the initial trailer we saw doubled down showing that there was a lot of charisma and sort of whimsy. It had a very Shane black vibe, not just because of the Christmas mm -hmm. thing, but other, but then also you saw in the trailer, they were leaving, leaning really hard into that pinnacle Hawkeye arc. Um, yeah. That so visually defined his relationship with her as mm -hmm. well as, um, sort of uh, made his character much more interesting. I read that arc and loved it, and I had no... Th I don't even remember reading it. I don't remember him using a bow and arrow in it. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, my, I don't and either. My, yeah. yeah, and my sense going into this show was I could care less if they're ever shooting arrows. I really just want to mm -hmm. see the characters bouncing off each other and the, and the framework of this sort of pseudo-version of that storyline. And, and I think that's yeah. what we got, for the most part. Yeah, the most boring so, stuff in it was the bow and arrow shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Or I should say the the um, the combat bow and arrow shooting. Yeah, some of the training was good. All right, so um, yeah. but do you think Renner? Do you think Renner in his acting and also in the dialogue and his feedback against Steinfeld's character? Do you feel like he redeemed himself and that the character became more interesting as a result of this, or did you think it was I still definitely think they let him become more like charismatic? than he was previously in his other incarnations. He was and always I really stoic. appreciate that. Yeah, stoic and super serious, even when it didn't necessarily lend itself to it. Right. He was kind of one of the more serious people on the Avengers, which was a strange choice for them to do. Yeah. Well, and also because I so think they were leaning into his... They were kind of borrowing from Ultimate Hawkeye, right? Kind of felt yeah, like that. Although, really although, yeah. although, to be fair, Ultimate Hawkeye started out as a real dick too. So I don't know, yeah, but like, but but you're right. I mean, he definitely, they definitely were were making him as as covert covert ops lent lent, lent to the Avengers as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't do him any favors. No, there are plenty of actors that could all. have played that as a, he's he's stoic and quiet and doesn't say much and you don't want to cross him, and they could pull that off. He just wasn't that guy to me. Yeah. He actually felt fairly miscast. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, here we are. Um, so did you think that... Um, let's say, okay, as a thought experiment, let's say Kate Bishop was being played by a much less interesting, like Miley Cyrus or something like that. Some actress <laughs> that we don't necessarily think we would have enjoyed so much. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he would have held our attention in this show? If we didn't no. like Kate Bishop? Well, okay, so uh, up to a certain point, absolutely I'm not. assuming you like Kate the Bishop. The last couple episodes, 
the last couple episodes there's somebody besides Kate Bishop who gets my attention. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that makes a difference, obviously. But yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, because I was trying to I was trying to figure out whether maybe a couple a couple episodes in I was trying to decide. Okay, this is really working for me. I was really liking it, and I was trying mm-hmm. to decide what parts of this could I pull away and still think I would have liked that project. Right. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to take the uh, visual context of the of the story that they were appropriating out of it with the with the bro gang and the being in an apartment and in the comics he I think he owned that building and he was just trying yeah. to lay low he didn't have the family stuff and all that but the same concept of being trapped in our building and having all the bros coming at him and and being exhausted by it and also being deaf all that stuff from the comic plus the visual style of it I think it was really important. If you took that away mm-hmm. and you set this out on the farm or just some other sort of New York story or even a space story, I don't think it would have been as interesting, even with Steinfeld. Yeah, I think it was I Steinfeld was I think Steinfeld was critical and I think that the um setting was critical, which led mm-hmm. me to feel that led me to think, would this have been a better show without Hawkeye in it? Hawkeye won. Like, let's say Renner wasn't in it. Other mm-hmm. than the need to pass the torch and all that horse shit. Mm-hmm. She, her character and then that actress and the context of the show really gave him more depth and made him more likable to me. But yeah. I, I imagine this entire show without him in it. And I think it would have worked just fine. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think they would have... Honestly, I think the biggest thing they would have needed to make it work just as well is I think they would have needed a few more episodes to kind of establish her world uh-huh. because they used his our familiarity with him to sort of make her world more quickly understood. But I Maybe. think if they'd had a couple more episodes to show like, you know, her really trying to be a hero and not just a goof off kind of thing and training hard and like like that kind of stuff i think had they shown a little more of that i think it totally could have worked yeah but i mean i think that um i think that having him in the show besides the fact that this was a a show of the two hawkeyes but the having him in is what made it to me feel like it was flexing that it wasn't the netflix show right Mm -hmm. in the sense that i mean and i love netflix daredevil but what i what i specifically mean is if you imagine this show, the same sort of framework. Hawkeye exists in the MCU. She saw him, the same sort of deal. Why she idolized him, mm-hmm. which establishes why this young person would wear a costume and have a bow and arrow and consider them consider themselves viable as a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Establishing that he exists in the in the uh, continuity, mm-hmm. but not showing him would be a really Netflix Marvel move right <laughs> yeah it would dancing around it and while i um i would i would totally welcome another season of hawkeye without renner hawkeye in it mm-hmm. i think they had to include him just to le- almost to legitimize her journey towards it's like we didn't need him to bless her the way he did even though mm-hmm. i think marvel's executives feel that that's important but um, yeah i have to feel like as they bring in more uh, multi generational views of characters, you new younger versions of characters and stuff. The you know the Phase Five or whatever, a Miles Morales mm-hmm. and Iron Lad and whoever the fuck and you know 
yeah. these other alternatives or um, Miss uh, Miss America Chavez and stuff. We don't need them to be um, blessed and handed off to us like this, like Paramount made Picard do every other movie, right? Right. They, uh, they, we can't just do that on every one of these. Uh, these characters yeah. have to be able to just, um, you know, frankly, just pick up this gear and say, "No, I'm doing this now." You can't yeah. make me not do it, you know. And and I think that that's an interesting. I think there's a lot of interest in that story, that you would mm-hmm. say. That person is very, very famous for looking that way and being that identity. But who says I can't be that identity? You don't have the yeah, right on yeah. being Spider-Man, right? Like that to me is very, a very fascinating sort of real world application of, you know, I don't know if it's infringement or what, but like it's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and long before the MCU was really leaning into this, um, like look at what in terms of film stuff, look at what mm-hmm. Nolanverse was doing. That gave us all of the Batman, right? In Dark Knight right. Rises, we got this. We got that of everybody showing up and and copycatting him and all that stuff. I think mm-hmm. that that's a very um, a much more compelling story than um, an established superhero whose celebrity is nearing the end of their contract, blessing you to tear it right. Like, on the yeah, legacy. the passing of the torch. Yeah, yeah. but Look, I think it was, I'm the yeah. I'm the guy hero, but girls can do it too. <laughs> yeah, not bad for a girl. Um, yeah. I think that it was very effective using his trauma to mm-hmm. bring in, like, that was some of the most interesting aspects of this as a part of the integrated storytelling of the MCU was Yelena showing up towards the end of the series mm-hmm. and forcing the confrontation and how it ended up where they're actually just talking about their shared grief. Uh, yeah. That yeah. was a lot more to make him human and to sort of establish her more, everything about that mm-hmm. was solid. It didn't. We didn't yeah, need that in great. this story, but it was one of the biggest connection points to the MCU that I thought was successful. Yeah, I agree. I was really, really happy with that. Actually, I mean, in the absence of that, they could have brought in Yelena or any number of ancillary characters, a Maria Hill showing up or whatever, and it just, mm-hmm. it's just like they're doing it because they can, right? right? Which they have done before. In this yeah. instance, it was a very I was surprised as the story unfolded how well developed it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that showing her experiencing the attack on New York as a kid, that framework mm-hmm. at the beginning of the of the of the series was really effective. Yeah. I love yeah, I cause and I love cause and effect and timeline in these movies when they choose to do it. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I agree. I thought that that was really clever. Now, Haley Steinfeld has. I think an amazing charisma. She is mm-hmm. really fun to watch. And especially if you look at this compared to something like Bumblebee, Bumblebee didn't yeah. write in Bumblebee. Didn't I, I got 20 minutes or 30 minutes into that movie before I gave up, but they didn't I, write for I her didn't mind it. But... Really? I didn't yeah. feel like they wrote in for her much interesting dialogue. I felt like she was radiating only off of her charm, but she was still stuck in this movie fairly wrote and she's done some other projects which are very interesting but just in terms of these sort of i don't know franchise movies they didn't do a lot for her there in here the the dialogue movie was basically just uh uh the iron giant with transformers absolutely um the best version of the transformers we got for the most part but but um sadly but, but in this case i felt like they wrote they wrote her well they allowed a lot of improvisation and they just allowed her to be her 
so much so that I found it extremely challenging to imagine that role being played by another actress. And I think that's, I agree. That's a big deal, right? Yeah. 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 I, I've loved her ever since, uh, true grit. She was just absolutely fantastic in that. Same. And And it almost seems like another world. Yeah. God, that was so long ago. (laughs) She was 11 and blonde, right? I mean, like it was, yeah. (laughs) And now she's like a pop star and all sorts of madness. And Oh yeah. Like, oh man, this is, it's, it's almost like a different person, but it's also really one of the things that really sold me on her in this is it, you never got that whole, oh, I'm, I'm a pop star thing. She was very down to earth. She right. was very charismatic. I, it's amazing that that's the same person that you see on like her Instagram page or whatever. It's, it's, she's like a completely different person when she's acting. And that's a really like strong testament to her abilities. Well, it shows that she's an actress. I, I don't mm-hmm. like um, Lady Gaga much at all, but she's definitely proven that she can act, and and that when yeah. she's acting, she's not Lady Gagaing, right? Um, yeah, exactly. There are a lot of multi hyphenates that don't radiate that. They're bringing their, mm-hmm. I mean, they're bringing their personality in, yes, but they're bringing yeah. their celebrity in. And in right. this instance, sh- her success is she's really acting and she's good at it. She was convincing mm-hmm. in virtually all of the sort of. emoting that she had to do in the different environments but at the same time she was also good at playing this sort of tongue-in-cheek whimsy that it needed to have it was the right yeah it's the kind of marvel project that i really like where it's Mm -hmm. it can have its serious moments but it's self-effacing and a little awkward and fun that's fun i like that about it um yeah yeah comparing that experience to watching like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was very serious. And it had its mm-hmm. best moments were when they were bullshitting with each other in therapy or or whatever. Right. But it was so disconnected from the rest of it that was trying to be very um, sort of Winter Soldier-y solemn. Um, yeah. This yeah. felt very um, uh, knowing in the way mm-hmm. they presented it, and I really appreciated that. Now, how did you feel about... Let's talk about the... Well, hmm, let's talk about... Let's talk about her mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Vera Farmagia. So, so definitely it was interesting to see how she both ages and doesn't age, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you take her out of certain context and she seems like she's still the same look that she had 20 years ago. And then other times you're like, oh yeah, she's she definitely reads as someone who has a 20-something-year-old daughter, right? Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Now, it was my... As I recall in the comics, her mom turned out to be Madame Mask. And I'm not sure if that's that is correct. Yeah. But I was waiting for it to happen, and it didn't happen, and I think I'm okay with it. But -hmm. at the same time, partially because as much as I I love Madame Mask, but at the same time, that's a hard one to to, um, translate to MCU. It's like the the melter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But... But she was okay, except for until the last few episodes where they had to force in the underworld stuff. You never got a sense of whether she was playing a character that was being duplicitous about having two sides to her. Or whether, Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't decide as a viewer whether I was supposed to believe that she was genuine um, and be surprised. Or am I I supposed to be watching her and thinking, "You're, you're bullshitting this entire time. 
Do you know what I mean? Well, see, and I have the problem that I walked into this having the the most recent thing I saw her in was Bates Motel, mm. where she plays Norman Bates's mom, who is manipulative and yeah. <laughs> vicious. And I mean, she's fantastic in that show, but you immediately see everything else with her in and you're like, oh, she's sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You already are. You're automatically assuming some that she's going to be villainous, but. Yeah. But you know what I mean about the acting, though? And maybe it's partially acting, partially writing. She, I just couldn't decide what I, as the, the way viewer... She acts, yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't decide how I was supposed to take her. Um, and the same thing, to some degree... The, like, part of me felt like this was the point. They were making everybody so, mm-hmm. so murky that... Um, and yet the tone was whimsical enough that yeah. anybody could be good or bad and it didn't really matter almost. Mm-hmm. But it was very hard to parse what was happening with her fiance. With like I couldn't decide. Yeah. I couldn't decide whether he was a caricature, whether he was be and, and at the end I, I had to read the notes on the show to figure out who he really was. <laughs> but like I couldn't decide whether he was b- being a jackass um and overly polite and whimsical and random as a mm-hmm. as a as a ploy and he was actually the right. world guy or whether he was, um, and, or, and then, and then I was like, is he a patsy? And then he gets into the, the third act battle and he's slicing and dicing. And you're like, huh, yeah. wait a minute. Is he, is he actually skillful? Like the whole thing yeah. leading up to where he and Hawkeye were doing that thing or he and him, he was fencing with her and they were having that little thing. Mm-hmm. And she's realizing he has more behind. I, I like that. It was leading you down her path of, of mistrusting him. Mm-hmm. But it was very strange to me that that it was never definitive in my mind whether they knew in the course of this one micro season whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, it was, and he, he was one of those guys where he he played a character that my brother immediately recognized from his awful taste in comics. I didn't. And I mean, <laughs> so, like the quarter Ben was immediately like texting me. He's like swordsman, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, swordsman I... was even in. Wasn't swordsman? Maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't they establish that swordsman is Hawkeye's brother in the comics? Isn't no, he geez, the one I have that? No idea. If it's not it's swordsman, possible. there was a villain that came. I thought it was swordsman that came in the in the la- in the back half of the series that this show is sort of stealing the look from. And mm-hmm. he came and was like, he came to the building and stuff and was like, am I retired or am I not? And whatever else. And there's, later on, they used him in Dark Avengers. It's got to be, I got to be Swordsman. Anyway, be. anyway, doesn't matter. The point is, I, I mean, there's a thing on my kid's wall until recently of a recreation of the Avengers cover where, um, I think it's Swordsman and Mantis are getting married or something like that. I can't remember now. My point is, he's on the wall. It's one of the ones where the where the Avengers are all standing around and then Dormammu is coming out of the ground and and okay. it's it's a, a wedding gone wrong issue that they often did. Mm-hmm. He's on the cover of it. I've 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 drawn him. I've sent him to his death in the old Marvel RPG. Oh, yeah. And I I never the entire time, even to the end of the last episode, I didn't think, oh, that's Swordsman. Yeah, I, so. I, neither did I. It wasn't and that's until okay. my brother like texted me that I was like, oh, okay, that's fair. But and even that's okay, then, though. like when he like went to take her mom to safety, I was sure he was going to stab her for killing her his uncle. And and I think they were trying to make us feel like we couldn't trust anything 
Agreed. But at the same time, his tone, he was so tonally weird. Oh, so whimsical. Over. Yeah. Then he was kind of like a dunce. Then he had some secrets. Then he was chivalrous. And you're like, mm, I don't. Well, and I think that actor is a telenovela actor. And yeah, that makes sense. definitely <laughs> some of that definitely came through. <laughs> well, thinking about it now, having seen it, one, th- imagining like a rewatch or whatever. And now I really like him because now yeah. I really like his his randomness and his performance, particularly the the um, there's a there's a post human character you may recall from the source books called the rake. Um, oh yeah, which which is really leaning into this same sort of thing. Is uh, he was of Spanish European descent or Portuguese? I can't remember. And he was very chivalrous and very dramatic and very ill, very grandiose and elaborate in his in his schemes and hoist in his heists and things. Like what he was doing was always mm-hmm. like for the cameras and just really over the top. That was the way Joao um, envisioned him. And sometimes this guy on screen made me think of that character because the things he said, it was like, I can't imagine a normal human saying this if they didn't think they were being recorded <laughs> for a telenovela. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. What do you think about the bros, the regular bros? How did the they... Tracksuit bros? Tracksuit bros. Did they, did they um, fit to you based on the comics or what you were uh, expecting? I mean, they were fine. They were pretty stereotypical New York gangster mobster boys, but I, I don't know. A, I, I was a little I, disappointed. Yeah, they, they, okay. So my biggest problem with them is that they really clashed with the leadership end yes. of it. Yes. Like with Echo and what's his name. I, I feel like those two didn't fit with the rest of the tracksuit bros at all. I think yeah. had they like, made those two different gangs that were maybe working together that would have made a lot more sense than oh this is the same gang that she's been a member of since she was a kid well especially when what's his name shows up and he's wearing the tracksuit too it's like yeah they they fuse two concepts that i don't think went well together i and they seem to have made a deliberate choice not to make them all russian and and to me the real flavor was they were russian tracksuit guys that it was a russian gang yeah that's what i really liked about it and i can see a version of this where it's the bros it is the tracksuit bros strength in numbers very inconvenient always just at the wrong place at the wrong time making things difficult for hawkeye but they're not the bigger players and maybe they're even hired to distract or hired to make things difficult but not in any way the same gang as the major players i just couldn't i could never make that work in my mind yeah i wanted yeah, them to be I more russian a problem with that the only the one thing mm-hmm. i did like is i really did like the one that kept having the sidebars with um kate bishop about her advice to him about what to do with his fiance or whatever it is and buy the tickets yeah. and do this thing like that sort of exchange was perfect in the writing the the tone of the show and her character's charisma it was very believable somehow that she would be giving him advice like that yeah um okay and then okay so let's talk about the guy that we can't remember his name and then echo so the guy that we can't remember his name super familiar looking to me yeah remember seeing him from anything um no. <laughs> I mean, he looked really familiar, but I don't think I've seen him in anything. 
Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I was actually trying to look him up because I couldn't remember what his name was. I, 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 I'm doing the same right now. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm accessing my databanks, not at all using... Frey Fee, the... playing Kazi. Frey Fee, he's an Irish Frey. actor. Born in Dungannon, County Tyrone. You should uh, He that. was in Les Mis. He was in the newer Cinderella thing from Amazon Prime. Which is um, weird. I suffered through that. Know. I didn't. See, I don't remember him. Yeah, I have never seen anything him else that he was in. There's nothing on this on his uh, bio, filmography that that I would remember. Well, so anyway, yeah. he he doesn't have main villain uh, charisma. Like he doesn't have the no. like I'm going to be the central guy. But I thought he was really effective as a um, as a lieutenant. Right? Yeah. And it was. Yeah, he totally worked for that. So he was working all the way until the end when he had his confrontation with with Echo. At which point I was like, I don't know. <laughs> if they'd made him more of a. Like a. Like a wimpy guy that was afraid to stand up. To, was more afraid of Kingpin than her. I think that would have worked better than. Well, to me, you just never him saw him. Sort of well, I just don't, yeah. I don't recall really seeing him being very um, active in combat, being very serious. He was mostly no. advisory and thinking and seemed to be more of a management, um, which I yeah. liked. It was a good fit. When all of a sudden he's like, well, um, it's with us or against us and shink and let's fight. At that point, I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't earned because we never saw him do that before that. Right. It, it was implied because she was with him that he had to have some skills because, I don't know, but not really. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. And then how do we feel about um, the actress who played uh, Echo? And I like the and I guess of the Echo. origin of Echo. I, I like the character of Echo. I hated her introduction because uh -huh. unless you knew who she was, and yeah. even if you knew who she was... They added this like silly over the top importance to her, her introduction that didn't make any sense. It was out of place, wasn't it? It it seemed really awkward. Yeah. And like I really love the character of Echo in the comics. I think she's really unique and cool. Um, but I was not really sold on her in this for the most part. I had some real problems with um I, I think it's just a casting issue. I didn't like mm -hmm. that she had a pouty face. Um, mm -hmm. she did a pouty face and Echo shouldn't pouty face. And partially yeah. that's because David Mack drew her in that weird way in which it, she's supposed to be Native American, but he was drawing his, you know, an Asian woman every time. But right. there was definitely a different <laughs> look to Echo in my mind than her. And it wasn't her ethnicity or anything. It was just something about her pouty face. Mm -hmm. Pouty face looks victim to me. Once and again, Echo she is... didn't have the lead villain charisma, just like that guy. It, yeah, they, both yeah. of them just lacked so much. Yep, and then was... also, yeah. Yeah, it's like the second D'Onofrio came on the screen, you're like, oh, these guys look awful compared to him. Well, no, okay, so before we get to that, <laughs> let me ask you something else. Do you remember Echo in the comics having a, um, having a prosthetic? I do not. I think that was completely made up for the show. Because not only was it strange to me mm -hmm. but it also it, it like it wasn't even used within the context of real world physics like yeah a prosthetic would yeah. be flying off no more doing martial arts with a prosthetic is possible but mm -hmm. you, the way they did it she was running around like a normal person 
with or I should say a person with all of their limbs and then right. and then all of a sudden it's a it's a prosthetic leg randomly kicky kicky for absolutely no reason yeah and, I, I, and as i recall it was infinitely strong too it was like a yeah it was like a cybernetic yeah i did not understand that at all i thought that was a very strange thing and it it didn't really come into play except for when it did like it was yeah. only it was only conveniently brought into play once in a while after you'd forgotten that she had it <laughs> well yeah and the thing was it's like again it wasn't earned in the sense that um, Netflix Marvel gave us uh, Misty Knight's arm and made mm-hmm. it a cybernetic arm and made it very specifically what it was. And, it, and yes, we can we can we can apologize away the whole thing. We've talked about it in RPG world, and we've talked about it on this podcast before about cyber arms stuck on human bodies and how they just rip right mm-hmm. out of the shoulder socket. But but right, they at least leaned into it and said this is a cyber arm from stark like it's a thing yeah we're working within the constraints of a of a continuity in marvel where there's a bunch of alien tech and stark tech that's all over the place and is Mm -hmm. being appropriated and modified it's out there and so therefore if you want someone to have a cyber limb and you especially want it to be useful later in the thing Mm-hmm. Let it be a cyber limb and not just a yeah. prosthetic limb that happens Give to it be a backstory. Right. <laughs> Let it be a thing. How how interesting would it have been of someone saying, "Where the hell did you get that?" and then hurt, and then it's like, "Don't ask." Right. There's that's yeah. that's something yeah. much more interesting than what we got. So that's a thing. The other thing about her that really bothered me was, you know, they they get us all right up to the right up to it, and then they don't take it. Like mm-hmm. she her her lover that she was forced to kill. Is ble- bleeding out right in her in her arms, and is even reaching out to her, and we manage not to get the hand on the face that is yeah. the signature Echo look. Yeah, yeah, right? I can't believe they didn't do that. Yeah, that was like the perfect opportunity, and they totally botched it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I kept waiting for like, when's she gonna get the hand? When's she gonna get the hand? And yeah. I know. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, it's not like the comics and so therefore, but when right. you imagine the mutation of this from the comics to this, to a live action, there are certain things that you can, that are just there. And then mm-hmm. certain things that are, that, that I just can't understand why they didn't take it. Swordsman being swordsman, but never being identified, um, almost reeked of, we're embarrassed that he's like, the <laughs> like we've seen in other projects where it's like, well, we can't let him actually be a superhero yeah, and. Is- this is a casual Easter egg for somebody that actually knows who he is, but we don't want to actually admit that we have a character that was <laughs> right. I like I, they could have at the at the end of that when when she's like, "Wow, you know, Jack, you were you were so great out there with your swordship swordmanship and whatever the hell else," and him saying, "You know, I think this is my second calling," and twisting yeah. his his mustache. That's all you need, right? But yeah, instead, yeah, it was exactly. just like, I'm just going to very calmly walk you over and, oh, you're getting arrested? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it was I would have, like... Like, like, happily have rather seen an end scene with him and the annoying Renaissance people uh, sword fighting there instead of the whole Broadway play thing for 17 hours. Good lord, I didn't even watch that. Now, I was so let's talk about the Renaissance people for a minute. I really liked it as a component of the show that he was i love that whole his whole journey in those middle episodes um i thought was really fun i really Mm -hmm. liked that he walked into the park and was looking hunting 
the hunting down of the Ronin suit and all that stuff. I thought that was yeah. a really great um, uh, tie to the larger continuity and motivation. It read, it mm-hmm. smelled real to me. I liked it, and I liked that he would track down these guys in the LARPing group to get the suit, and he would have to begrudgingly yeah. go along with whatever they wanted because he doesn't want to just go and just beat the shit out of a bunch of people in the park. Right. He'll do the bare minimum he needs to do to get this done. So I was willing to accept all of that. What I and I liked it even as they're like little gang of associates. It's fine. They're leaning mm. into Kate Bishop's solo book where she has sort of a motley crew oh, of people that, that that she kind of helps her out and whatever else. But gotcha. the thing is, the thing is, what I didn't need. I even I would even accept them coming and helping with crowd control. What I didn't need is that one random part where they're like, "This isn't working. No one's listening to us." Hang on real quick. Let's go change into our fucking ridiculous yeah. LARPing costumes. And then we're going to come back. And I think the, the you know, slow on, motion walk on stage. Yeah, that was yeah. nonsense. On paper, I think that it was written like they thought that, well, by standing out in their version of a superhero cost, like standing out like that made people pay attention to them because it's like they're superheroes. But right. it didn't it didn't read that way. That's almost like something you would expect out of kick ass and then it wouldn't go well yeah <laughs> right yeah exactly they'd be killed so i you know I, none of that rang true and the other thing that i didn't like a whole lot was that we completely sidestepped the fact that you had police and fire uh, participants in the larping so when it comes down to getting things done like evacuating people or mm-hmm. calling for backup or even doing research on things why weren't they bringing other resources to bear yeah why wasn't it a scene where no one was listening to them and they had to get a hold of the police and convince them kind of thing because they had the connections or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. You think that they would be used for their connections. They would have an element. Their backstories would be useful in the story. And I know I'm thinking like a, a, a dungeon master or whatever right now, but you know, mm-hmm. there really wasn't much purpose for them other than a little bit of comic relief. Yeah. Um, and I think they could have been used better. Now I loved how they use Linda Cardellini. I love how yes. they use splitting the family up. Oh man, I she's love amazing. Her character and their relationship, and how she knows everything he's doing, and I just, I think that's fantastic. I was so glad she was in that. I love her. I didn't need the uh, final reveal that the watch was her watch, yeah. and that she was a shield agent. I accepted that they had a type of relationship that he had been married to her for long enough and they shared everything that she was and even in the beginning of this season where she's like you know i'll do some research for you really quick and whatever else mm-hmm. i was completely content with her actually being a civvy I but agree. it didn't bother yeah. me at all that she had the watch and i think the only thing that was triggery is that she had the agent designation of bobby morse right and when a right. lot of people i know my twitter is very active for bobby morse um Angry Bobby Morse fans who are are pissed that she's not getting representation in comics or in the movies ever since, um, uh, what's her name was basically written off of uh, Agents of Shield, and she did a really good Bobby Morse too. Yeah, she was great. I I just I can't believe that it was like set up right there. Is she going to be a Mockingbird, Mockingbird? or is this the closest? Are they is a throwaway connection to the comics or what? But like it almost didn't need to be there, but I didn't mind it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly made sense why she'd be like. Where's my watch, you know? Yeah, I would watch a movie with, or a TV series with her playing Mockingbird 20 times before I would watch the Echo one. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. That led me to think, 
would what would I rather see the a Kate Bishop series without Renner mm-hmm. or a Renner and Linda Cardellini as a Hawkeye and Mockingbird working together. I would be down with that as long right? as they get those kids some acting lessons first. <laughs> well, and there was also, so my daughter was very upset because my kids are marvelly. My daughter is very upset that they took in her view, the, the next gen Hawkeye away from his own daughter and gave mm-hmm. it to Kate Bishop. And I tried to explain to her that Kate Bishop is not his daughter. And it was never like that in the comics. And it's part of the mystique yeah. is, you know, she's just, she's, she's a self-made person. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we they were obviously leaning into this earlier in the movies. He's showing his daughter how to right. shoot the bow and arrow. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like they were juggling some options and then just kind of picked the side of what they wanted to do. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room, almost literally, and that's uh, Kingpin. Jeez, dude. Oh, wait, wait. Before we talk about Kingpin, let's talk about spoilers and how they ruin things. So... Right before the series launched, I was not doing tra- trailers anymore, and someone on Twitter uh-huh. started uh, sharing a photo that showed uh, uh, Renner and Haley Steinfeld sitting next across from Cox at a table, and oh, that's really? what. And that was like it was validating the rumors that they were going to bring Daredevil into the MCU through Matt Murdock, and it was going to be in one of the TV series, right? And so that photo was like one of these production photos, like it was very grainy and whatever. And, and it was being disc- discounted quite heavily by people saying it was Photoshopped and whatever else. Well, mm-hmm. I couldn't help it when, you know, I mean, even if you hadn't seen that, when they said, well, you need, you know, we need to get you some legal help or whatever, you know, something's going to happen. But, but I just try to imagine a world in which no one had even suggested that um, Daredevil was coming into the MCU. Yeah. Because... It was a highlight of the of the entire season when he was at that table. I love that character so much. I love that actor, and I loved how they handled it. So mm-hmm. to me, it was like I was reeling from that episode, just from that. Yeah, the flex of catching the brick. I mean, uh huh. I just it was perfect. People were complaining they didn't get Daredevil. I'm like, uh, you, you actually got Daredevil. You got pure Daredevil here. You just didn't get the costume. This was perfect. It was Murdoch plus plus. It was perfect. I loved it. So I just wish I I wish I didn't know that was coming because I thought it was exciting. However, then we get to the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Now that was also spoiled to for me shortly oh, really? before that episode. Huh. Yeah, um, and I don't remember exactly what it was. I, I followed Donofrio's Twitter and and he had been doing a lot of you know I wish I was in a Marvel thing again kind of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. somehow or another leading right like people who watched this at one in the morning kind of thing in New York or whatever were making right. Kingpin related comments. And so I was like, well, shit, but even leading up to it, they were talking about the man, the big, you know, if you let yeah, them the know big the big yeah. guy. And I was at that point hoping it wasn't going to be Kingpin. And I was hoping it was going to be another of the Marvel mob or underworld mm-hmm. characters. Like I was hoping for, um, what's the one that, I'm blanking on his name. What's the one that like looks like a blockhead, right? Oh, he's, he's really gosh, squared off. Yeah, he looks like a Dick Tracy. Is, is it just like Hammerhead or something? Like I think that, it's Hammerhead. Dick Tracy name. I think it's Hammerhead or something. But like, I wanted them to do one of the other like weird Marvel Magia, <laughs> yeah, guys. Like I wanted them to build up more of the underworld and have different people vying for power. 
And so I almost had a little bit of disappointment when it was Kingpin because I was like, A, I wanted more new people. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, man, everyone is jumping up and down about how exciting it was that Kingpin was back. I did not feel that this was the same Kingpin that we had in the other show. It and definitely has a different vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like he's leaning more towards comic Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Much more active. He seemed, he was like the the version of him played by D'Onofrio in Daredevil wouldn't have been like, hey, I think she's turning against me. And I don't know, what does she know? You got to find out what she knows and whatever. And acting like he's vulnerable. The Kingpin mm-hmm. from Marvel, not Marvel's uh, Netflix Daredevil had a lot of irons in the fire and was always calm until he was pushed just so. And then it was right. that weird temple pulse. And then it was the rage, but not anxiety, right? So this Kingpin was almost kind of more vulnerable in a way. And then when he got physical, I felt he really lost something because it was like he was just an he was just a big he was a bruiser. Right? Mm-hmm. Did what did how did you feel I mean, about that whole thing? I don't know. I I didn't feel that strongly. I I thought they still had a lot of the Kingpin vibe to him. It's just like sort of the the post prison not trying to be subtle anymore Kingpin. I could see that. It definitely felt like a version of Kingpin that exists in a New York where or a Hell's Kitchen where there are a lot of superheroes out and about. Whereas the Marvel Netflix show, one of its biggest strengths was they were these microcosms, right? It's the same reason I like an, a Batman independent from Justice League. I really just want to watch Batman in his own environment without any guest stars, right? Just mm-hmm. let it be its own little world. And I kind of felt like Nef, uh, he was more uh, intense and interesting and certainly more complex given the time he had to develop it in the Marvel, mm-hmm. in the Netflix show. Now that's, yeah, he definitely had more time to do. Yeah. I mean, he, he had like what, 10 minutes in the show and yeah, most of it yeah. was fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but on the other hand, this was definitely comic Kingpin at his mm-hmm. finest, right? Almost yeah. like just, you throw anything at him and he's just a, he's just a immutable object. And mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he did get knocked out in the end, the way he did, it, it was, it was a satisfying um, uh, end to the fight with Kate. The fact that Kate could mm-hmm. um, hold her own against him, just like as she held her own against Elena, was really fun mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, um, everything Elena did again, Florence Pugh is just stealing every show that oh, she's, she's in. She's so good; it's ridiculous how like Ugh. effortless it is. <laughs> I mean her her character is more interesting, and I really like Star- Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, but mm-hmm. I'm more interested in watching her. Than I am in watching the Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Yeah, by a same. mile, by a country mile. Uh-huh. She's she's one of the most interesting um, female characters in the Marvel universe, and I want as much of it as we can get. With yeah. Kate Bishop yeah, possibly absolutely. being a, se- a close second, right? I would, yeah, I would, I would just absolutely love a show with the two of them just wandering around New York eating harvest food or something (laughs) (laughs) brussels brussels sprouts from the uh from the food trucks (laughs) from the farmer's market yeah yeah exactly now i don't believe for one instant that um echo shot uh kingpin in the face and killed him nah Um, there's that whole line in the comics where she does that and then he's just blind for a few issues yeah yeah and also it was done off screen and and also i mean you don't you don't introduce someone like kingpin for a for a guest shot yeah unless that's 
literally him not wanting to do it anymore and they convinced him which we already know isn't the case well so that leads me go that leads me back to my original um concern about how comic-y and how we went from him behind a table to Mm -hmm. him storming through a toy store and smashing things Mm -hmm. if you got kingpin smashing things how do we go back to him being a simmering scary mob boss right right doesn't it sort of ruin him a little bit? Like, I don't know. Maybe they will, but... He, he was yeah, intimidating before for all the things he didn't do. I mean, this Far may more. just be Disney TV's version of Kingpin. I mean, yeah. the characters are... I mean, it is a different world than the Netflix stuff, but... That's true. Well, we'll see. Um, one other one I want to quickly mention is... Uh, um, Zan McLamon, who played uh, Echo's dad... He's one of my favorite uh, actors. I love watching him in things. Do you remember him? He played, I think his character is William Lopez. He was her dad, and then he died in the... Oh, yeah. Tra- yeah, I love dad. that. Yes, I love him. I yeah. first remember him in uh, Westworld, right? He's so good in Westworld. Oh, my and gosh. Then, and, then he, um, and then he absolutely blew my mind in Reservation Dogs. Yes. Which I uh, hope he was seen. in uh, Longview, which I don't think you've seen, but I loved him in Longview too. I have not seen it, but I will. <laughs> um, He's the reason to watch it without question. How how many seasons of Longview are there? Oh, geez, I don't know. It's not even. It's is it Longview? That doesn't sound like that's the right name. I know the show what you're that, talking about. What is that I show called? It's Long something, isn't it? Longmire. Longmire. Yeah, Longmire. And also, uh, he was in he was in Fargo too, which I didn't watch the TV version of Fargo. Oh yeah, he was excellent in Fargo. He played a very Cohen character in that, like a very No Country for Old Men type character in that. Well, and who can forget his standout performance in The Librarian: Colon Return to King Solomon's Mines? He played, uh, no uh, one, no <laughs> one can forget that. He played uh, uh, to- uh, Tommy Tomahawk or something. Uh, Tommy Yellowhawk. It's terrible. All right. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> so love him. Yes. All right. So, okay. So thinking about how this all resolved, thinking about the absolutely poisonous barbecuing at the end, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> burning the yeah. Ronin suit in the Yeah, right. The, the rubber and the yeah. ballistic mesh God. or whatever else is coming off. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you feel about it overall? It was fun. It was fine. It didn't, it wasn't, I mean, it's nowhere near the top of my favorite things that they've done, but it is definitely enjoyable. And I think it fits in with the rest of the Marvel world that they've built. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, how would you rank the, um, the MCU TV series? In other words, in in terms of your, as soon as I said that, I don't have any notes. Um, but I mean, we, and we—I don't care if we even get, catch a ball. I'm just wondering where you where you land on what you've enjoyed oh, so far. Okay, so let's see. Um, so we've got this one. We've got mm-hmm. uh, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Falcon, Winter Soldier. We have Loki. We have Loki. What If. Uh, yeah. We have <laughs> Scarlet Witch. And mm-hmm. is there one before that? Maybe. I feel like there was, but my brain Here. doesn't want to think of it if there was. I'm going to use the internet to work for us. MCU TV series. Let's see. Maybe maybe Scarlet Witch was the first one. 
Huh. Uh, let's see. So we have... Uh, WandaVision. Okay, WandaVision. So in Phase 4, so that's all we're counting, right? Not all the other okay. stuff. We had WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye. Oh, um, okay. Hmm. Interestingly, Hawkeye had the tied with the shortest runtime, right? It had six episodes. And one of them uh, was only like 23 minutes or something oh, crazy like that. Definitely one of my takeaways was I could have used more of this story, more uh -huh. of their uh, more of their dynamic at least. I wanted more episodes. Yeah. I wanted more of it. Um, mm -hmm. More pizza dog. More pizza dog. <laughs> um, I guess Falcon, Loki, and Hawkeye were all six episode, and then What If and WandaVision were nine episode. This okay. is kind of challenging to me. God, they're all so different. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard for me to put a ranking on them, honestly. I'm going to go Loki, huh. Hawkeye, WandaVision, Falcon, and then What If. I think I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. I mean, I like, put I Hawkeye above. Expect... Yeah. God, I didn't expect Hawkeye to land that high up until you list all of them. And you're like, oh, okay. You said it was Actually, nowhere near your favorite, but it's your second favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know if that just says that the others were poor, because I really, other than, honestly, other than What If, back half mm -hmm. or, or a, a bunch of filler episodes of What If, and maybe mm -hmm. um, Falcon not landing the way, so to speak, the way I thought it should, <laughs> um, yeah. I thought all of these were very standout, and I really love the budget yeah. that goes into them and how they feel like movies. I think they're doing a great mm -hmm. job, and I'm really looking forward to what's to come, especially with Moon Knight. But, yeah. but I think, but I think I would put Hawkeye above WandaVision because WandaVision was had this pretense, and then mm -hmm. spent a lot of time dancing around it, using yeah. the using the interesting conceit of the of the shows throughout the decades of whatever. But eventually, it was sort of like. In a bubble, in denial, until the last few episodes where they allowed the 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 outer world to break in, and then we got, um, uh, oh, what was what did they call the vision? The the pale vision. They, there was a name for it. I can't remember. Clone vision, collision. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what. There was some. They had a fun. There was a good name for it. I can't remember what it was. Um, that and then the Agatha reveal and all that stuff and and even the weird mm -hmm. creepiness with um, her non non brother, like all that stuff was really interesting. Yeah. But it needed to happen sooner, and they needed to get in and start messing with the world that she had created and mutating mm -hmm. it and destroying it to make it more interesting. They stalled too long, and then it ended too abruptly. If they had mm -hmm. done everything they did, and then you had another five episodes of Fallout, then I think that would have been okay. But it just it was yeah, a thing, it was, and then it was over. Yeah, it was dragged out, and then it sped up too quick. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like they had gotten an early cancellation notice and didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and whereas Loki was interesting in its affect, and it was an interesting storytelling device, and it was everything it was until... And then you get to the end, and it was so blow, kind of blow-your-mind awesome at the very end. Mm -hmm. Both, you know, everything having to do with... Um, What's his name's performance, and then opening it up to the timey wimey problems. It was so yeah. successful in what it did. Unlike WandaVision, Loki ended with you going, wait, 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 wait. Now what? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Falcon yeah. was just treading water. It was way very down to earth, and it didn't seem to have enough. Um, it, 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 quite, quite quite honestly, Falcon could have used a lot less of the 
of the um the uh, super soldier terrorist stuff yes and all yes, and, and that being fake that being fake or so i wanted that to be like not even a real thing that it was all just mm-hmm. set up to make walker look good to give him someone mm-hmm. to fight and then they are confronting walker like that's what i wanted and it just we just really i don't know yeah yeah falcon and winter soldier had a few like really interesting things going for it and i did like that as much as anything it was sort of telling a story that it could never have told from a movie standpoint i agree but man they yeah way too much eco-terrorist terrorist whatever and you over the head yeah you know um you know post post nationalism and all that other stuff well, and you know the other thing is, I think that the the strengths were those interpersonal moments with him, with them together, and yeah, imagine a version of that show where they were, you know, chasing down a terrorist group that that they suspect isn't even real, worrying about the increasing problem of John Walker's instability and all of the propaganda issues, and uh, and then this eventual um, confrontation. But the conceit is they have to keep they have to keep showing up for therapy, despite yeah. all this going on. Kind of like probation, like that was. I kept hoping that that was what they were going to do. That, mm-hmm. that no matter that they were going to sit there in the office and say, "Yes, we're minding our we're minding our tempers and we're not getting you know couples therapy, not just him, right? Right. If we're 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 going to solve problems without our fists and." We're gonna da, da da da, and then they'd leave the office and get mired in all of this craziness. Like I thought that's what it was gonna be, and then when yeah, it wasn't, I was fun. really disappointed. <laughs> and, <laughs> so you wanted think, the the superhero Sopranos kind of thing, <laughs> precisely. And and at the same time is that I think that the backstory on Falcon, the story of the fishing boat, the images of him trying to get um trying to get a loan post Avengers and not getting it because yeah. like all that was really powerful and it had a place, mm-hmm. but but. I just didn't feel like there was enough on the other side of it to make yeah. it exciting. It was very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It just wasn't... I kept waiting for there to be more there there than there mm-hmm. was. Now, what yeah. if I was ready to basically discount after watching it uh, <laughs> until... Um, well, anyway, I don't know if I should speak about the Doctor Strange trailer. <laughs> Did you see it? I've seen the trailer, yeah. You've seen the trailer for Mountains of Madness? Yeah. Or yeah Monkeys of Madness? Okay. Monkey well, madness, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely the evil Doctor Strange from What If. Right? Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. And and that was a standout. That was one of the few standout things from What If and it, that if they were going to take from it and make it a uh, an ongoing live action thing, I'm glad they took that one. Yeah. I hope true. We, I hope we get more tentacles, but you know, <laughs> that's a complicated yeah. and very interesting version of the character and I'm really excited about seeing that going forward in the movies, which is great. My other hope is, I mean, they, they just can't not do this. They can't not bring Agent Carter and, yeah. and do that version of Agent Carter. I mean, it has to happen. That Captain is the, Cra- that is Captain the standout Carter. episode for me on the on What If. I think that that's definitely the best episode, in my opinion. Other than Hawkeye, where I felt compelled to draw Kate Bishop after finishing the series, the only other character in all of this... Well, I kind of wanted to draw the Loki alligator, but... I mean, the only other one that I managed to draw at the time because I was hot for it was um, uh, was uh, was Captain Carter. Like, yeah, it, it, Captain Carter 
pulled me out of my drawing sort of purgatory that I was in for a lot of the pandemic where I just didn't feel like drawing. Yeah. I was so, I was so jazzed at what they did. I was like, I'm gonna draw that right now. <laughs> well, and it was such a unique, like the animation seemed better in that episode than most of the rest of them. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it had an energy that a lot of the rest of the episodes of what if did not have. And then the whole silly tying it all together thing was just unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. What if was much more powerful when it was just a series of unrelated things? And you really didn't. You really. Stuffs. I mean, and you know how I feel about, um, you know, whatever the first new reality is or whatever. What? What he said that kept driving me crazy. I almost blocked it out of my psyche. But um, <laughs> hey, uh, the other thing is, I really don't like that cell shade animation style anyway. And I, I kind of was willing to accept it with the Captain Carter one because they were. It was just, it was so vividly capturing the actors involved. It was like very mm -hmm. successful. But as it went on, I was getting really tired of that style. I like that style. I'd, I'd rather that style than like the the generic DreamWorks style and stuff. But I can see that for sure. I get that. Um, by the way, it's, it, it does... has a very rotoscope feel to it. And I've always liked rotoscope stuff. Yeah, I could see that. From like a weird geekiness level. Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it does say on the internet, and then we must believe what we read, that D'Onofrio did state that his his he is playing the same character from Daredevil. That it's not interesting. A, um, I I do like though that Loki has established that we can have variants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That goes a long way towards. I mean, it explains things like anti strange, but also it explains why some characters seem different in certain different mm -hmm. circumstances whether they lead yeah. that or not will be interesting as they go forward anyway so there we are um that was hawkeye any final thoughts on hawkeye i liked it apparently better than i thought <laughs> um, my, my final thought on it uh it, you know i said that i was not very interested in the bow and arrow stuff um i think i really enjoyed them leaning into how they made arrows even mm -hmm. if I'm not particularly thrilled with, here's a box of Pym and Stark tips. Okay, that's fine. Mm, yeah. But but as a rule, though, I like the idea that you saw him making the arrows. And I yeah, like that he was too. teaching her. I like that she had to run before she... She, she had to walk before she could run. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that whole concept that the trick arrows, so to speak, were the more dangerous ones. Yeah. yeah uh, a, a lot of that stuff, the, the mechanism of the bow and arrow as the tradecraft that you have to mm -hmm. learn a certain way and respect it to me was really fun. Mm -hmm. The we're out on the ice and we're just going to shoot a bunch of arrows at all these guys. That's that whole sequence when they're out in Rockefeller mm -hmm. center and they're like, you know, I'm going to electrocute all these guys and then I'm going to make a giant squishy thing to get those guys. That was way too cartoony for me. That was just, it was I, yeah, I didn't need compared that. to like the car sequence with the spinning camera where right. like, like that felt like a, like a, it was a good chase. Plus it was a good use of the arrows and that kind of thing. Agreed. I think, yeah, like I, the, like all Marvel things, they throw too many bodies at the big finale thing and it gets stupid, but yeah. yeah so I, and then my only other real problem with it is just that Lindsay can't read subtitles anymore. And oh, so, yeah. It's like it's always real challenging for us to watch something like this where I have to sit and read 
any of the subtitled stuff to her so that she knows what's going on and it becomes frustrating. So that was probably my biggest complaint with Hawkeye and that's totally unrelated to the show. So I can see that. I mean, I think it's accurate. Valid at any, at any rate. Okay. So um, I think we can pivot to, um, we can pivot to our next subject, which is we were going to uh, revisit uh, Hudson Hawk, right? Isn't that, what we agreed oh on. God, was it Hudson Hawk? I thought it was uh, Rooster's Millions. Rooster's nice. Millions. <laughs> Four hours on Rooster's Millions. Coming <laughs> yeah. up after the break. And now for a casually inserted commercial for the buying of products. Okay, so yes, this is a commercial. Get ready. Uh, according to my calculations, it's been about three hundred years since uh, the last convention that i've been at and probably at least 299 for you uh, that's a long time to go without seeing uh me or my dear pal chris deeply dapper at a show near you um even worse if you don't have a show near you and you have to travel and now you can't currently because of this terrible pandemic so uh, i have some good news for you and that is that if you go to to wrongrocket.com uh and you survey all the fine goods that are there there's art prints and books and posters and postcards and such uh gift cards commission slots and so on almost virtually anything you could find at the show but on the website and a fraction of the total inventory but it's getting better every day anyway if you go and you find something you like uh enter the discount code robot kraken r-o-b-o-t-k-r-a-k-e-n robot kraken you get a sweet 20 percent off everything so uh, I hope that takes some of the sting out of not being able to get to a show. And hopefully we'll see you uh, at one of the shows we do have lined up in 2022 coming soon. So go check out uh, wrongrocket.com and use your sweet uh, discount code today. Back to our regularly scheduled program. And OK, so we're going to talk about the book of we're going to talk about the book of the Boba Fett's. The book of the Boba. Book of the Boba. Now, we are at this mm-hmm. point three episodes in. Three, yes. Which somehow feels like it's been six episodes, which is interesting. And yet also um, feels like it's only been one. It's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange. So, well, <laughs> so first of all, same question as before. What did you have go? What did you have on deck going in in terms of your expectations and your hopes for it? Jeez. <sighs> um, try to imagine I where was... you were before you started watching it. I had very little. Like, I felt like it was unnecessary. Mm. I I feel like there wasn't really anything to say about Boba in the first place anyway, but particularly an entire series. Mm. But at the same time, some of my favorite stuff from the Star Wars movies is Return of the Jedi's Tatooine mob boss Jabba stuff. Like, I right. love the... Right whole aesthetic of his castle and the rancor and all of that so i had high hopes going into it from that end of things mm-hmm. but yeah man i'm i struggled to get much motivation for this except i have a lot of faith in Favreau and rodriguez and all of them well without going into um you know sort of details on where we are at in the, at the third episode overall let's say what maybe like you know thinking of how you felt after you saw the first episode or maybe leaning into the second one. Um, how, uh, how did it strike you? 
I mean, did you feel, did you continue yeah. to feel like it was um, unnecessary and filler, or did you enjoy what they were doing? I think it, uh, I left with it feeling like it had potential, but not sure if they were going to be able to live up to it. Hmm. What about you? Well, I'm definitely in the contingent that, of uh, Star Wars fans that unreasonably loves Boba Fett. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. why. Um, I'm also one of the <laughs> Star Wars fans that can accept um, complexity in things mm-hmm. and um, asynchronous uh, enjoyment <laughs> and dichotomies, yes. right? So I've always been able to marry the radness of Boba Fett being like he's not saying anything and being rad in in the original trilogy until all of a sudden he has a nonsense death. <laughs> and then all because I didn't read any of the extended universe stuff. I didn't. I was always uh-huh. only consuming uh, Star Wars films. I didn't really read read or or look at any of that other stuff, even the video games, mm-hmm. really, until very recently. So to me, it was I was feed feeding off of his original trilogy stuff, plus my toys, plus the concept of him that you build up in your mind, right? Right. But at the same time, I was able to accept that he that it was silly that we. Um, made him this way in our minds when he didn't demonstrate that on film and all of his radness was in backstory that was written for him after the fact but you never actually saw him doing anything badass I'm amused Uh in the same way I was talking to someone at a at a party once about how there was at that time it was just in in fandom but there was this I had this feeling and I talked to other people who had the same sort of amusement that like, you know, Lobot was a secret badass, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no reason to think Lobot was rad, but I always liked that he existed and that he was all like very calm, cool and collected when things were happening uh-huh. on Bespin and like Cloud City anyway. So yeah, I, I can fully accept that we create the, 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 ver- the version of that character in our minds. that's not um, substantiated in the material. It didn't bother me that he had a an inglorious death, and I also didn't bother me um, the strengths and weaknesses of the backstory of Boba Fett in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. movie, where they just made him a generic bounty hunter that was cloned because he was pretty good, and he was willing mm-hmm. to be cloned, and all this shit, because later on, of course, in other franchise material, they did establish a connection to the Mandalorians, right? We did get right. there. But and I think that was a a strong retcon that was important to make the character more interesting to me, given yeah, how much they built up the Mandalorians as a culture in the cartoons and in the show. It was really great that they gave him more of that. Um, but I was totally happy with him being rad for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I but, get that. But at the same time, um, going into this, so I was perfectly content for this to be a bunch of nonsense of him just walking around being hopefully being rad and maybe filling in some mm-hmm. holes in his timeline and asking the questions that the critics are saying you shouldn't ask. How do you get out of the, how do you get out of the Sarlacc right. pit? You know, Patton Oswalt already told us, you know, well, Doesn't to me, that matter. was all fucking great. What, to me, what I really liked was the narrative con- construction of the show. Mm-hmm. I love that we were seeing him establishing his, now they're calling it a daimyo. So they're leaning way into the feudal Japanese stuff. But then yeah. say him establishing his his present day um, conceit, but then having flashbacks that tell us about those hardships that he faced and to use mm. the back to tank, not only as the means to trigger the flashback because it's healing 
body and flushing memories. He also mm-hmm. said, I keep having the dreams and it seems unusual. Most people aren't dreaming in a back to tank, apparently, based on the way yeah, that exchange went. Mm-hmm. I also like it as a means of giving us a less mutilated uh, Timura Morrison, too, right? Like we had the yeah, I thought scarred it was interesting and acid. That that's, yeah. So I don't know. I, I really like the construct. I like that they're doing flashbacks. I like that they're telling mm-hmm. two stories. Um, as it's going on, though, I have concerns. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think never more than this third episode. <laughs> I want to talk about the characters and stuff, but here, let me get right to my concern. Uh-huh. It's an empty show. And uh-huh. I don't mean empty in terms of, of theme. I mean that he is establishing claim over this entire region. And he's got one first officer and two mm-hmm. Gamoran guards and that and a, and a droid. Yeah, and that's I it. Mean, yes, it's Matt Barry, but come on. He <laughs> can only yeah, like he just like shows up and is like, Hey, I used to stand over here in the corner, so I'm taking claim. Like it just it feels like if it had been something where it led up to that or something, anything. Well it's funny that, that you say Matt Barry, because I only knew I only learned it was him reading the Imdiba. And then I'm all outraged oh, yeah. that I'm not getting more Matt Berry in it, right? I just... know, right? <laughs> well, but like, so part of me, initially I was thinking, okay, he's got it empty because he's so badass he doesn't need staff, mm-hmm. right? And that he's going to, he's not going to be a warlord. So he's not going to have a whole bunch of troops on conscripts and stuff and whatever. And he's just going to be himself. If anything needs doing, he's going to do it. And that mm-hmm. maybe the story is going to be him being challenged by... No one takes you seriously if you don't have staff. You're not on a litter. All those early things they started giving us in the first episode. Right. Like, well, you need to get, you need to take tribute from people, and you need to shake people down, and you need to have a litter, and you and whatever. And if you don't do these things, people won't take you seriously, especially when you're saying you want to rule through peace or whatever. So I thought that mm-hmm. was in and of itself going to be a through line that would be interesting. Yeah. But then, so I thought, okay, it's an empty, it's an empty uh, castle because he wants it that way. Um, mm-hmm. what does Boba Fett need of a bunch of goons, right? But right. on the other hand, as this goes, we're starting to see not only is it empty, but he's extremely mm-hmm. vulnerable. And yeah. that part I'm having trouble marrying because yeah, this is a guy that they're establishing as he's a tactician and that he's very savvy and he's very badass. This is not a guy. Boba Fett ever, ever in continuity was a guy that would be letting his guard down and, and, and putting walking him, making, blindly down a street and getting ambushed and yeah taking taking his helmet off repeatedly in front of people oh my um, god yeah like I sometimes there's good reasons and i love seeing him acting but they have him take his helmet off every 30 seconds like they're in the middle of an ambush and he's like hold on let me put some money in my hat instead of wearing yeah. it yeah yeah <laughs> well and and you know to be fair and, and again in the story there's a reason He's taking it mm-hmm. off repeatedly to show that he's a person and he's trying to engage with people as not a scary warlord, right. but as someone who's reasonable. Like he's so co- he is more than his armor. Like mm-hmm. he's making a point of it. But what I'm seeing him do is make himself very vulnerable in a world where there are snipers. And on top yeah, of that, yeah, exactly. Back to back episodes, he's been he's had assassination attempts in yeah. the castle. Yeah. One was outside, right out in front, in the street. Yeah. And then it carries on, and and then there's more action inside. And then this one, 
literally directly in the castle back yeah. and yeah like where was ever i mean granted he only has four other people in the castle but come on does he not well, have locks they <laughs> correct and, and well exactly exactly my point one of the conceits is that giant door is the only way in and out and boom it's closed right <laughs> and 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 also they established that fennec sean was gone because she was going to be out uh finding out what's going on with Mr. Maya. So, Oh yeah, I guess I missed that, but and then, still. He, and then, and then the character in question who I haven't talked about has, has gotten in, um, has, has gotten past the Gamorans until, um, until the, until, until they engage him and he makes, um, quick work of them. But like the minute that he went in the back to tank of the first episode, your assumption mm-hmm. is he's well protected. For him to be yeah. that, you yeah. can't be more vulnerable. The only thing more vulnerable than sleep is being in a back to tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 it just shocks me. Like I thought in the first episode that when he was in the back to tank, it was going to pan out, and he had a bunch like a shit ton of of assassin droids or some shit like yeah, rad some, droids or something. Yeah. Like I could see him not taking on old stormtroopers and not taking on the scummery of uh, Mos Espa. But I thought mm-hmm. that he would be protected by something he could trust, right? Yeah, I'm shocked at how, like, casually, like, he just makes all these assumptions as to, like, that people aren't going to f- screw with him because he's Boba Fett. <laughs> and yet, no, and Boba Fett means nothing to most of these people, right? Right, yeah. And, and, and also, the whole thing of, like, we got a glimpse of him being a badass in the flashbacks when he earns his respect once captured by the Tuscans, right? When he was doing mm-hmm. that whole, those really great spaghetti Western sequences where they're out in the desert yeah. and he's chained, he's chained to that Rodian that rats <laughs> him out, all that great spaghetti Western stuff. And he defeats the, the, um, the creature that looks like a Badoon or something from John Carter, right? Yeah. All that stuff where he's just, managing to pull it off or like the things where he was finding ways of holding his own against the Tuscans until they respect him. All that was rad. But what we're Mm -hmm. seeing in the present day, him getting ambushed and getting his ass handed to him. Mm -hmm. And that's weird. And I don't know yet whether that's deliberate or not. I don't know. I'm so like, I keep hoping that it's going to come together because I want to love this show. But right now it still feels very, uh, unplanned? I don't know. It's just really strange to me. I feel like I'm watching, a, um, or I'm engaged in a... Everything goes back to RP, RPGs, right? I feel like mm-hmm. I'm watching an RPG session um, where the DM is establishing a lot of context, and we have some skirmishes, but we haven't gotten into some real hijinks yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And the other thing yeah. about it that's weird is there in each of the scenes where he's gotten his ass handed to him, I've been trying to decide... Well, what was wrong about it? Okay, why is his ass getting handed to him? Well, what happens if he were to Boba Fett his ass through that, right? Like, mm-hmm. the attack on him in the streets by the Red Ninja types. Um, mm-hmm. The Nightwind Assassins. Like, him with her just blasting the shit out of him and being rad and just totally just knocking him on their ass. And mm-hmm. everyone being in awe about it would have been a rad scene. And he still could have been vulnerable because the whole point is he was attacked. In the classic mobs, right. mob underworld story, right? If you're mm-hmm. attackable, you're touchable, then you don't have the same power. Like, that could have been exactly. the way he's vulnerable. Not, 
Um, he doesn't even have his helmet on half the time. And he, he didn't even have his rifle in that scene. And then yeah. also, for fuck's sake, the jetpack. No jetpack. Yeah. Use, right? Why didn't you take off as soon yeah. as they attacked? Yeah, or like get the high ground. Like th- yeah. the other characters in, in uh, well, in the Mandalorian series, they, they showed this. And also in in uh, uh, clo- final season of Clone Wars and a bit in Rebels, they showed how mm-hmm. skilled jetpack users are always in motion. Like the Mandalorians yeah. constantly, both the commandos when they were under Imperial rule and the Mandalorians independent ones that we've seen in these stories, they're constantly off the ground. Why would you right. stand there? You're going to get up into the high ground. You're going to be a moving target. He's just standing there. And what yeah. really, and, and, and when, when you compare that with some of the weird choices in the last episode about puppetry, that was really obviously puppetry or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just things that just didn't, that felt like it was the level of technology of the original Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. You start to wonder where the money's going, right? Because they're putting a huge amount of money into this and they're doing a lot of world building. It looks film good, but at the same time, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of the scenes we've seen in these episodes have been really good with the aliens and the, and the things that were, um, were presented with. But then you see these, these cheap cop-outs or these like scenes where it's very clear that um where it's very clear that something is digital right and it drives mm-hmm. me nuts because you're like well yeah. you've, you've established a very high expectation yeah and then it and doesn't some of deliver it looks so good too like i'm honestly surprised at how good the the sand people's dogs looked oh yeah like they looked really solid. I was genuinely surprised by how nice they looked. And then yeah, you get some of the others and they're rubbery and really weird looking and yeah, it's the, it's strangely inconsistent. The um the other thing the other battle um the other thing is like for example, he's been electrocuted and stunned and then mm-hmm. in the battle in the third episode, um he's getting his ass handed to him backwards and forwards and he does manage to get a couple of good strikes in and holds mm-hmm. his own, but Again, how much more, how much better a scene would it have been if he was quick work holding his own, like getting yeah. parts of his armor on and using different things, using things in the castle and and outwitting the assailant through his quick thinking, as opposed to I'm just going to run at him naked and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And this is the guy that I think I can overpower physically. Granted, granted, he did with that one the the. John Carter creature in the desert. <laughs> I mean, there, there's more to Boba Fett, uh, his uh, his potential than just running mm. at stuff. Yeah, it's it was really inexplicable that he's he was just like, oh, I'm gonna just buck naked, charge this giant hairy thing in the pitch blackness, and yeah, I just I was. So uh, there's just a few things that I'm just like, what is going on here? It just doesn't make sense. Well, and there's another thing that I'm finding really challenging about this, more than other shows, more than Mandalorian, slowness. And I don't mm-hmm. mean stillness, which was the best of Mandalorian, and it has been right. the best of this. Spaghetti Western stillness is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I mean slow action. Uh, yeah. This third episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who everyone insists mm-hmm. is the best. He's an action guy, and it's going to be so rad. And he made the Stormtrooper fight scene in Mandalorian boring, 
and <laughs> here and and then here he's making uh you know he made the the, the worst pod- chase scene the land cruiser in... scene with the mopeds was the most boring fucking thing ever oh my god it was it was the probably the slowest star wars chase scene action scene including old man obi-wan fighting darth vader in episode four <laughs> like, yeah. well, like well, it was just what the heck why was well, it and, so slow paced but look at how okay so boba is moving he's he's being very still that's a very deliberate thing they're stealing mm-hmm. from what they did with mandalorian and they're making it about him experience calm samurai right ronin mm-hmm. that stuff and the idea that um, Fennec might act before he does, but he's very cool and, and measured in his response to things, that's all cool. What's yeah. weird is, when it gets into action, he's operating slowly. Yeah. And then the assailants are operating slowly, unless it's the Nightwind, where they're darting around and doing parkour. But, as a rule, everything's been slow. The Gamorreans are right. slow. Everything's slow. And so, I, I just can't quite put my finger on why that is. Um, yeah. Now, as a general theme, besides the theme of like uh, you know um, dealing with your past traumas and and uh, and growing and all these other things, I think it's really fascinating that um, it's become a story about indigenous rights. And mm-hmm. I wondered the degree to which Tamara Morrison was um, involved in influencing that. I really haven't read anything about it. Yeah. But yeah, he is not. He is not just from New Zealand. He is not just of Maori ancestry. He's Maori. <laughs> so Yeah. And and there's no question there's a lot of Maori stuff. The dance that he did at the end when he <laughs> was made a full-on yeah. Tuscan is a full-on Hakka, right? And then yeah. the even the soundtrack at the beginning, the main theme, they have Hakka yells and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're obviously, you know, they're playing to his personal experience. I love that the whole thing about the Tuscans and the 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 train is going by and shooting at the natives and Mm-hmm. And killing their livestock for sport, and the people who are there first being, you know, being disrespected from their ancestral lands and all this other stuff. I think it's fucking great. And unlike, yeah, I love that. And unlike, um, uh, what was that? The uh, Dance with Wolves and, mm-hmm. and stories like that, where the the white guy comes in and saves everybody. You know, there's a person of color hanging out with the Tuscans, and it's kind of you know, like yeah. it works really well. Um, it also doesn't hurt that the most badass Tuscan is female. Um, yeah. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Joanna Bennett, I think, is playing her, and she's like a she's like a stunt double for I think was it Captain Marvel? She's a stunt double for someone else I, in the MCU or, or Wonder somewhere. Woman or somebody. Yeah, yeah, someone. Yeah, she's she's fucking rad. I I yeah. love. I really want as much as I love the image of Boba Fett uh, running things. What I'm really enjoying was the Tuscan backstory. And how Me they're too. bringing in these other, um, these these other groups that we've seen in continuity, and really fleshing them out. As someone who watched all those cartoons and and got really into the expanded continuity of Star Wars, I'm so stoked to see so much of this coming back in in live action. The Pikes, dude. Me too. And how about yeah. at the end of this last episode, we saw flashbacks of the Pikes being shits. And then, and being the train people and so forth, and now we find out in the present day that they're that they're uh, trying to do a takeover of Mos Espa. Yeah. That's pretty fucking rad. The weird thing, though, to me is that in the cartoons, the Pikes had a very—I don't think we ever saw a Pike without its face shield in the cartoons. 
but they seemed very so, yeah. alien, very alien with a very long, pro really long angled neck and then a little a little head. And I know mm -hmm. that's the stylized cartoon of it, but here they are very humanoid with some of that in the headpiece, but then they have that weird sort of floppy fish face. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, still good, still rad. I love that it's. I just yeah. love when I see that connection. They didn't create yet another species. This is the Pike Syndicate, well established from other continuity as being one of the big underground mob, mm -hmm. uh, whatever groups in Star Wars. I think that's fucking great. Yeah, there's a few of the things that they've done like that that I'm in love with with this show. The the old uh, Hammerhead Mayor guy, like his white hair that he has sprouting out the sides of his weird face yeah like that's just, uh, robert rodriguez some... by the way oh my gosh all the little details that they've done with that kind of stuff is so loving and well done and it's it makes that stuff like the hot rod hover bikes really stand out because it doesn't fit <laughs> well and so i think one of the things filoni has been very influential about across a number of projects is you know lucas established a world where you had some oddball aliens and stuff in the background but all the actions being done by all the action is human and that's a right. a product of budget and a product of focus right mm -hmm. and then over time in the in the in the prequels and then even in the sequels you had other species but they were particularly in the prequels it was sort of like i'm going to go to this planet and then i'm going to see this species then I'm going to go to that right. that mono that mono uh, monoculture on that mono environment planet, and we see that species, and then we move on. What Filoni has really done a good job about is taking the common species and and filtering them throughout the 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 empire or throughout the yeah the, the 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 inner and outer rim. So I like when you see things like he was chained up to a Rodian, a bright red Rodian, right? Yeah, I love that there's a, they're they're showing the different types of the different looks of the Twi'leks in the bar. Um, yeah. Some of which we saw the first male Twi'lek in that Mandalorian episode. But like, I like that you see, um, so Besides certainly the Pikes. Besides huh? anyway. Besides What's that? Fortuna. Well, that's true. Besides... But that's, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but Bib was actually really gross because you, you barely could tell that Bib Fortuna was a Twi'lek because yeah. it always seemed like he was wrapped because he had that really weird gullet. So it almost mm -hmm. seemed like he wasn't... He, he, the Twilight Dancer was Twilight, but I, as a kid, I never established in my mind, but Bib Fortuna wasn't a male Twilight. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, anyway. Because he was, you didn't think he was male because he was gross, Tom? Yeah, man. Well, so, um, sizzle chest or nothing. So, just like at my <laughs> house. Just like at my house, Brody. Just, it's jerky pants or nothing, baby. That's right. Well, and so, like, the, the choice of making the mayor a hammerhead um, is yeah. rad. Because hammerhead was, like, the fr a fringe character in in the cantina and then in mm -hmm. in continuity we've seen that kind of character in a three or four other places but it was neat to see now one in a position of power right yeah um yeah the uh the, the gang that speeder bike gang is a type i can't remember that species um it's not the species that um it's not the species of raider that's kind of lizard like with the little um spikes on their face um, the nikto type one yeah yeah it's not the, oh. they're yeah, it's not. And what's and what's that guy's name from uh, Rebels that was so fucking great? Um, oh, the pirate. Yeah, yeah, I the, loved the, him. Oh they're my using gosh. him at Galaxy's Edge, I think, as a live as one of those animatronics. But um, is he nice? He has to. He has to get, get into these. 
these shows at some I point. No, I want to see a live action one of him so bad. But the but the the gang the biker gang is like that species is like they're almost like bugbears or something like I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, exactly what it is. But we've also seen. Yeah, we saw the species that um, Bosk is right. I don't mm-hmm. is that is a um, trend is that a trendocean? Is that right? Trendocean, yeah. So we saw plenty of them, and we're gonna and and frankly, wait a minute. Here's another thing: wasn't there a scene promised us in trailers of all of the all of the different underworld people at a table, and he's got them eating dinner with him, and then he's telling them how it's going to be? They never actually showed that yet, right? No, they haven't shown that yet. Okay, so obviously that's going to be coming. Um, so I like that. I like that they're in. They're bringing these different alien species mm-hmm. in, and you're seeing them interwoven. Um, and it's not just all humans. Yeah, I, yeah. I did. I also read that the uh, the the characters, the human characters in the bar that that uh, he rescues from the speeder bike guys, mm-hmm. um, are really supposed to be um, Luke's friends from New Hope. Not oh these, really? But the other ones, you know, the ones that were cut out of the deleted scene, Dak and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I read twice that that was supposedly what they were, but I don't, you know, who knows? Who the fuck knows? Mm. Okay. So 88, I love the 88 is that, that one particular droid. I feel like the only time I ever saw that droid is, isn't that the one that's, um, I think I remember it as the one that was, uh, torturing a gonk droid in Star Tours. Yeah. He was in Jabba's palace. Was he originally? Originally torturing people in the basement. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's what he, he did in, when they, brought uh r2 and c3po down to put their restraining bolts on or whatever he's uh, down there torturing droids uh, okay um i thought it was really great that uh boba fett took on the gamorians mm-hmm. um i thought that was fun and i think the concept of him getting tribute from people is fun it was mm-hmm. very interesting how many weird parallels there were between that seen visually and contextually and the scene in which the Atreides received um the uh the uh um what's his name in Dune remember when he shows up oh yeah I had no idea what you're talking about my brain wasn't yeah yeah it's okay because I can't remember anyone's name or face or place or anything but mm-hmm. um when Javier Bardem shows up and they have their little peace meeting and then he basically spits and whatever and says, okay, I'm out. And then storms out again. Yeah. That had a very similar vibe to Boba Fett taking tribute from, from people who were... Uh, it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of love the actor that's playing the Major Domo. He's so me great. too. He is he's stealing so it, He's so funny. Oh I my gosh, at, I love every scene he's in. David Parkesi. <laughs> I looked him up. Major Domo. Or as I see him online, Major Dickhead. Um, yeah. Yeah. I... I love his smooth his smooth wrongness. When he first came on, I thought they got Crispin Glover, and I was like, "What? Yeah, the hell? yeah." But his yeah. his smarmy um, politician type of vibe, bureaucrat thing that he was doing was uh-huh. so good. And until this last oh, episode he's where he, he's on the you know he 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 flinches, you never see him flinch. He's always like, mm, "Okay," you know, like that first yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. That first episode where he's like. Oh no no no! You're gonna give tribute to the mayor, like that whole thing. Yeah. The mayor mayor didn't bring a tribute. In fact, he's just gonna let you be here. That whole mm-hmm. exchange was some of the best parts of that first episode. 
I agree. Um, yeah. And then we get to this point where it, it's such an empty world, mysteriously, that he's receiving him in his empty castle, and then he goes and visits the mayor's office three times, and there's like virtually no one. Yeah. There's not even any guards. Like, what the what's even no. happening? <laughs> they just have that weird city hall clerk that looks like he's uh, he should be in um, Arcade Fire. Uh huh. Yeah, that guy is hilarious to me. I've seen him in a few other movies, and it's it's very funny how awkward and weird that guy is. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad fit. It's just so strange to me. Um, <laughs> I liked uh, I liked the whole thing with Fennec Shan chasing down the Nightwind assassins and fighting on the rooftops and running. And I like reminders that she's really she's at her top of her game and Boba is older now. Right. Yeah. Like, I like that. I do like that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a conceit about Boba's age that I'm having trouble um, resolving. And that is that in timeline, this is not that far in from, this is seven years after the fall of um, the empire. Right. So I have no idea. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's 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 roughly that. They said Mandalorian was seven years after um, Yavin, right? Oh, okay. And so, and and in in Mandalorian, we see him show up. We see Boba Fett show up in the robes, and I want my armor back and all that horseshit, right? So, oh yeah. So what we're talking about is a time frame. I think that they said that there's like thirty years between the prequels and the original movies, right? Okay. But I don't really have a strong sense of how much time passes in the original movies, right? Right. But I don't get the sense that it was 20 years. My sense was yeah. it was like five or six years or something, right? Yeah. It was enough time for the farm boy to be a general or whatever the fuck it is. But do you know what I mean? Right. It's not like little people grew and, and, and matured and whatever. It was all very, like, we're in war, right? This is all mm -hmm. very present day stuff in the in those movies. So... For, for for me to think of Boba Fett as being older now and maybe a little, maybe, you know, it's playing into the trope of the badass who's gone a little old and he's a little soft and mm -hmm. he's not as sharp as the younger ones. That's also because of the time of the time of the making of the stuff and Tamara Morrison being literally so much older that he's got a paunch, right? Although right. he's he really has worked a lot of it off since Yeah, I mean, he since, looks great. Uh, I, I wish I had a paunch like that. No, no, I mean, <laughs> since, since The Mandalorian, he's really... Um, I mean, he, yeah, he's obviously he's been working out. But my yeah. point though is he's older, and I mm -hmm. and and we never saw him without his helmet, so there's no reason to think that he's any different. He was always slow and calm and quiet in the original, so maybe mm -hmm. this is always the age he was in, or seven years. This less seven years is what he was in the original. But in my mind, I still keep devolting to him being this is Boba Fett twenty years after, and and way over the hill. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I yeah. can't get I can't get that out of my head, and and it's not fair. But it's not helping that he's being slow, right? Right. That really plays into it. He has a I'm getting too tired, too old for this shit vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I absolutely love the Tuscans, and I liked spending time with them. I love that they're showing different different clans of Tuscans, just like different Native American tribes or different different groups within any large tribal society. I think that's fucking rad. Mm -hmm. I love that they're playing into. The, like the reasoning for a lot of the totems and the and the imagery and stuff that they're wearing the whole principle of getting your tree trunk or your tree branch and then carving it yourself into making your your stick and all that stuff 
I think I, I was all incredibly cool. I, I loved it. I loved yeah. how much uh, richness they brought into that, um, into that aspect of the story. I can't get away from it though. That um, as I saw on Twitter a couple of times, it keep, makes me laugh every time I read it. Um, uh, on Twitter, I keep reading, "Feeling bored, might snort a lizard," <laughs> because that sequence was so bizarre. <laughs> I loved yeah, it. Yeah, it really was. I loved it. Um, but uh, anyway, I just thought that was rad. A Gadurfi stick, right? Isn't that what they're called? Yeah, Gaffy stick or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really hoping that um, the female Tuscan has survived that massacre and is going to be mm-hmm. leading the tribe because yeah, she was rad. She was obviously rad as hell. they're coming back. Like yeah. clearly, he's going to have an army of Tuscan raiders and riding a rancor into the middle of Mosespa at some point here. Right. They're never going to be like his his guard at the castle. But being able to bring them back as his uh, backup, I think, is definitely going to happen. And we also have a lot more. In st- I, there has to be more going on with Garza Whip. Jennifer Beals is too much mm-hmm. of a casting choice to just be in a few scenes where she's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's in the back room, right? Yeah. She, she's, she's a scene stealer, but there's got to be more going on with that character. Yeah, clearly. I, I, get, I feel like she's uh, running things more than she pretends to be. That maybe she's a bigger power mm-hmm. at the, you know, in Mos Espa, and she's just pretending to be a saloon manager type. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I can I don't see know. that. So in the second episode, I loved when the um, when the Hut twins showed up. I loved them sharing oh. a litter, and I loved and how, how they, they were all coiled together. Coiled together. That. She had like weird jewelry on, a little bit of lipstick or something. Uh-huh. That they were brother and sister. The the um the cartoons gave us a sense of other huts, and mm-hmm. that that Java was an older, really corpulent version of a hut, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, and that you would have younger huts and female huts and all. The, and we even saw a female hut in the pod racing scene, which was horrifying. Um, yeah, I love that sequence, but of course, the to me the big takeaway, the one that made me go. The do the do the um Leo, Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio jump and point was when mm-hmm. um Black Carson St- Black Carson 10 showed up, right? He's so rad. I've seen him in the comics, but I don't think I've ever read any. I never got that far into where he has like I've just seen him in like cover art or maybe like mm-hmm. page clips or something like that. I was aware of the big black, silvery haired, adorned big ass bounty hunter Wookiee. Yeah. Um because in the comics they were doing this thing where they were doing these like evil versions of all the tropes, right? In mm-hmm. Afra Afra and Vader, you saw like the there's a there's an there's an astromech and a protocol droid, but they're assassins or like they're they're evil. Okay. Right. And then there's and then there was this guy and then there's a few others. And so I was vaguely aware of him existing. But man, his his presence, being yeah, fifteen feet great. tall, fifteen yeah. feet tall, and sort of glaring, and 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 not moving, just being uh-huh. so badass. I was just like stunned at how rad he was in that first, in that first scene. Yeah, there's no way he's not coming back to work for Boba too, right? Well, and in fact, I was actually initially disappointed when Boba released him at the end of the latest episode. Um, mm-hmm. So he he breaks in. He's the one that breaks in and grabs him in the in the tank and fucks mm-hmm. him up for a while until um, Fennec. Um, uh, they, they they Fennec and the and the 
and the doo-wop kids push him over over the pit and then he drops into the pit and they trap him um, right he, he at the end of that sequence they boba releases him and yes he runs off I was initially disappointed because I was like, oh, man, I really want him to be at another back. I want him to be standing behind that throne, too. But you're right. It's, it's just going to be later. It's going to be like the Mandalorian where he brings the gang back together towards the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But his his physical presence is so fucking rad. And it's rad to see... Um, You know, we've seen Wookiees in other projects where they have different types of clothing and maybe they got some jewelry and maybe they look a little different different kinds of hairs and things but it was really neat to see a wookie that was first of all black with white stripes but also uh-huh. has like jewelry parts and like techno bits and like a big fucking rifle and all this like he just looks so badass looking i was so stunned yeah. by that and so in the in the third episode i had two of those jump up and point moments and I was on a Peloton at the time, so that's not very safe <laughs> to do. Um, it was when he was the one pulling him out of the tank and fucking him up in the in the castle. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit, that's happening. And then also when the huts return and as a peace offering, give him a rancor. When that yeah. rancor when that rancor sled pulls up and it's this massive scale, massive scaled rancor. Uh-huh. Um, and I was first I was like, oh, staring at it like holy shit that's rad and then i'm like and wait a minute who's the master of the rancor there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> danny trio <laughs> oh, danny trio they're, they're oh like we God. need to find somebody with a a more wrinkled face than the rancor yes we'll, we'll get danny <laughs> i i absolutely loved it and i love how they resolved the end of the I loved how they resolved the end of that sequence, like the idea that he would mm-hmm. not only um, want to bond with it, but like want to train with it, want to ride yeah. it. Very clear that he's not interested in it being a dungeon monster that he's going to feed people mm-hmm. to, but he's going to use it as his steed. And I thought yes, that was pretty fucking rad. Is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've already established that Boba likes riding around on big animals and stuff. From yes. The- holiday specials so. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah almost like sandworms like he'll, he'll get on top of anything yeah, yeah. Um, he'll just climb on that man he's just like can i ride it <laughs> i did like the um i did like the idea that he rides a bantha until he needs mm-hmm. to get to the to get to the site faster and then he jumps off and runs over yeah he's like good <laughs> lord this thing is slow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm really man. curious about the bantha if it's like a it must be some sort of like animatronic that he's sitting on because it's got a very distinctive like movement to it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I and it's definitely yeah, not there's... a dressed up elephant like before or whatever it was. Right. There's definitely a lot of stuff in this that I genuinely enjoy, and most of it is fanboy stuff. Sure. Um, and like I don't hate the pod racing crew, um, but I think part of that is just oh, the, you mean the uh, doo-wop kids. Yeah, the the girl in that is the main girl from Prospect, and I loved oh. her in that. And so I'm super which I still haven't to seen see her in something else. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen that, dude. It's like a hundred percent your aesthetic. Well, and I was ar- I was whining about it for at least thirty episodes, right? Mm-hmm. I'll get to it. Um, yeah, I finally watched something, and you still haven't seen it. All right, I will. I will. Well, my problem is, I, I felt like that was the biggest misstep was that game. I think that it was 
I was trying to decide how we got there. That you would have uh, rebel young toughs that are um, pulling from Thatcher era British punks mm -hmm. who can't get work, and so they're just standing around the pub being dickheads. Um, but at the same time, they're all cybered up. But they were cybered up in the. This is my take on it. They were cybered up in the worst way. They look like they're from oh, Max Head, so lazy. Max Headroom yeah. or something. It, uh -huh. just look, it, it, it it really looks like early or like mid '90s cyberpunk. Just does not oh, work for oh, me. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. And then and like shoulder pads and shit. Fucking one giant eye sticking off and whatever. And then uh -huh. and then you got those those bikes, which I was trying to decide. Okay, so first of all, they're garish because. They're, okay, so so, so your punks dumb. don't work, so you shouldn't be able to afford. All right. brand new, uh, color coded brand new bikes. Yeah, but they also, should be janky and rotten and. And we're at a time in Star Wars after the Empire has been on on the scene for thirty years mm -hmm. or whatever, however many years, that there's nothing new. <laughs> right. Right. Like if you didn't get it hammered hammered together for you by the Mandalorian Forge person, it's not going to be new, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't I couldn't even understand how you would have a bunch of new street bikes. And I understand the idea that they're pulling from imagery like the the Japanese punk uh, gangsters that have brand new hot rod cars, or oh yeah, totally. But or it nods, make sense, yeah, yeah. Or or Filoni doing a masturbatory nod to Lucas's American Graffiti, right? Like mm -hmm. there's you could see the, te the the threads there, but it's really out of sorts. And you said that you thought yeah. it worked because it was so wrong, but to me, <laughs> it was painful. Yeah, Painful it was. It. And the chase in particular was awful. Uh, there were a couple of fun little cameos in it. The 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 dock girl from Mandalorian walking by with her robots and a few things like that. Oh, but, I didn't notice that. I saw the robots, yeah, she, but I didn't see that she was there. Yeah, there was a shot where, the, like, I think one of them Amy Sedaris. off a roof or something. Yeah, Amy Sedaris and her little robots are walking yeah. through the street at one point. Service droids, but, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, it was just so slow and ponderous and silly. And I think part of it is the very nature of hover bikes and hovercrafts right. as a chase thing. Like right. even when Luke's racing across Tatooine to his faults, to his aunt and uncle, it still feels kind of slow. And there's, I think there's ways they could have fixed that. But having them, like, slowly go around corners and run into so much fruit <laughs> isn't the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also, um, I mean, Solo was probably the best we've had in terms of fast hover yeah. hover vehicle yeah. fighting. And even then, it's like it took everything they could do to barely make it seem urgent. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it, that was the same with Westworld season with the, the yeah. car chase that felt awkward and awful. Yeah. 30 miles an hour. Well, and uh, and I told you uh, frequently that when I ride in my uh, all-black Tesla with all-white interior, I'm driving around and I feel like <laughs> I'm in a westward vehicle because it's very quiet and it's very right. smooth and I don't drive I don't drive it hard. I kind of and I chill. I'm always imagining them in that cyber taxi cruising along right before they get yeah. rammed by the cyber the cyber uh, uh, whatever it is personnel carrier. <laughs> I often, yeah, I often feel the same when I'm riding my. Uh, giant boar around town uh, here oh, in sure. idaho too yeah your mother your mother-in-law's buick yeah well <laughs> uh but like car. it's also very clear to me and if it's not not what they're doing then i'm way then they're doing something else wrong it's very clear to me that the only one we're supposed to care about is prospect girl 
because yeah, the other ones yeah, are clearly. so generically they're so generically um, prepared and they're so just like ugh, what do you that, mean there's there's the there's the one guy with the eyeball yes and then there's the other guy in the the doctor who coat with the kicky leg and yes. and then there's laser the, finger and there's another guy yeah, yeah laser finger <laughs> yeah i know i know yeah. it's terrible it's yeah, almost like awful. bow and arrows all over again isn't it uh-huh well yeah i don't know it, i have a seek i have a fear that that um that they'll fold her into becoming um afra this version of afra and mm. i hope they don't because now that we've seen uh dark what's his name we're mm. we're leaning more and more into some of the continuity that the comics did true and and i'm and afra is a huge fan favorite other than ah- ahsoka uh, you know afra dr afra is like right. one of the ones that that um you know people really really get excited about so to me, there's danger there because she has a lot of that, you know, she has that look, right? Yeah. Short cropped black hair that's sort of ruffled and I don't remember. Yeah. What's her name? Sophie Thatcher. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie yeah. Thatcher. Yeah. Who's incredibly pale for living in our desert planet. Also. I'll say, oh, you know, um. <laughs> Oh, that's another thing that drove me nuts, man. Thank you for reminding me. Because uh, I'm not done. Uh, water is such a scarce resource and everything, and everybody's talking about <laughs> it. And, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then the Major Domo knocks down a bunch of water silos that are on stilts. Uh-huh. First uh-huh. of all, using water as a distraction in a planet where that's the most precious resource felt uh-huh. off. Second, it, it felt did. like it was like the kind of thing that you just wouldn't do. It's sort of like the villain uh-huh. going, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to bury you in gold bullion. (laughs) Like there should be a cut to Steven Root shaking his fist angrily at him or something. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. If they were to have, if they were to have chased the major Domo right through a wall and had him bursting right through the backside of the, a warehouse where all these silos were and busting them and him screaming, that would have been contextually relevant and sort of amusing and him getting what he deserves sort of thing. But this was just sort of yeah. like they're just over there on stilts. That wouldn't been on. That wouldn't have been on stilts, right? No. Let's yeah. not forget that Mandalorian also established that there are fucking dune worms. So right. There's not no such thing as stability on Tatooine. So you don't put the yeah. water above the above the streetscape. Right. Like the reason they have those on top of roofs is because it catches rainwater and there is no rainwater in Tatooine. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It also says that um, it also says that uh, Sophie Thatcher's in yellow jackets, which Blake and his wife were telling me to see that he was telling me it's really good. It's on like Showtime or something like that, isn't it? I don't think there's an easy way to see it. No, it's even beyond my reach right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'll get to it eventually somehow. Um, well, anyway, okay. So, so, so here we are. It's the end of episode three. Um, it, I mean, if there's any hope, it's if there's any hope, it's that there's they're laying the foundation for bigger things afoot with the pikes coming and mm-hmm. black. I always want to call him um, Black Kurzistan, but that's not his name. Um, <laughs> and some black of the other characters. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I mean, these 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 other characters and stuff that they've introduced that are fun. Oh, you know, another one that I love so much, I almost drew as a nod back to the terrible gonk droid design, which we love so much. Uh-huh. What about that water silo droid? That's like a person's lower half, and then oh, a, yeah. tube, a tube on their upper half. 
I mean, it was so bad, and it's in the foreground, so it was definitely a nod to mm-hmm. ridiculous, ridiculous droids, right? It's just like I like the the train driver droid too. That was just basically arms. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and <laughs> I saw a thing online that said that um, someone someone they should make these these uh, um, less complicated and easier to. Uh, easier to control and then the droid be like nope <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i've got one job yeah it was kind of I fun specialized that, for this yeah it was kind of fun that he basically overloaded the engine uh mm-hmm. and then and then bailed that was yeah. that was kind of fun yeah i thought that was hilarious i mean everything about i mean quite honestly everything about that train sequence was fun raiding the train was. just as it's a nod to real you know real historical stuff Mm-hmm. That raiding the train sequence, um, much like when the Mandalorian uh, did it with the carriers coming into that Imperial base, Remnant base, yeah. um, raiding the train—that's classic trope stuff. Classic but they did Western a, stuff, yeah. And they did a really good job of making, like, what I've always hated in those is when the guys that are are swarming out of the train are um, are fodder, mm-hmm. right? Like, I liked in. Mandalorian that they gave him a lot of trouble. I liked that the I liked even that the Jawas gave him trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I, yeah. I I liked in this one that the pikes that were ch- jumping out and attacking them were not just like falling off of it, right? They right. didn't really work at it. So anyway. Also the last thing I, I noticed right as I as that episode finished was that when the pikes came to um um came onto planet they mm-hmm. were being led by like an all black one that looked almost like it had like um like robes and stuff. It looked really fucking rad looking as like a mm. a pike leader and I'm really curious about that. Oh, also they That's said cool. that um they also said that they they made a little extra backstory on Rancor. The one guy said uh Danny Trio said that it's it is said it is said that the that the witches of Dathomir rode them into the oh hole. yeah yeah um suggesting that the rancor came from dathomir originally Which is interesting. Yeah. and also it's another example of this this conceit in star wars that things that happened only 30 years earlier were considered ancient were like myth <laughs> myth or ancient yeah, history really. because because Still the empire memories yeah but if the empire <laughs> has you know it leaning into it seriously that if the empire had mm-hmm. limited the communication and destroyed records and done propaganda for 30 straight years people yeah. don't even they're too exhausted people are a lot of people are dead that experience things firsthand and the people that are left are too exhausted to really um well and hold, it's hold on to the oral history like it's not like you see people in the star wars universe watching tv or reading books or anything like that there's not really entertainment in the star wars universe right. because Everyone's either just surviving or they're fighting rebellions and stuff. It's it's really interesting that, like, I mean, if you live in Mos Espa, do you really care outside of some stories what happened on a different planet 30 years ago? <laughs> well, and that's what they, I mean, the, the extended continuity that these shows and stuff have really given us that I love so much is this, the massiveness of the solar, of the galaxy or whatever, and how, yeah. how tiny the occupational force really is and mm-hmm. they come they come to a planet and blast the shit out of the capital and put a garrison in place and say okay we're going to strip mine this and then they leave again and you don't fuck around uh or else they'll come back and blast another capital right, right. they got the ship in orbit and that's why they could do what they're doing they've yeah. leaned really hard into that and even in rebels talking about how mm-hmm. um 
you know, how people would just find all the different ways to just keep on doing what they're doing. Just don't make a scene so that the Imperial troops come over and start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. All the same underworld yeah. shit can happen. Commerce is going to happen. You know, political intrigue can happen. We just have to play. We have to play nice for the occupational force because they don't yeah, have exactly. the overwhelming numbers that the original trilogy suggested, and even the prequels suggested with the clones. Like, oh, we're we just going to make up by the thousand, right? Yeah, they're spread thin. Yeah, I love. I like you said. Like, why would anyone? They've talked about it in other stuff too. Why anyone in the outer rim? would care about um, space wizards with laser swords and what <laughs> yeah, they may yeah. or may not have done. The, the idea that Palpatine's, that Emperor Palpatine was, you know, stories made him out to be like this crazy witchy-poo demon, but of course he's just, he was just, a, he was a senator, right? I like that. Yeah. They do that yeah. a lot in the books. They talk about that in the books, that no one takes, like, uh, that um, even in, uh, like in the Leia book, the, the, the post-Empire government has a lot of uh -huh. doubters which is very unfortunately very contemporary for us right yeah really looking at straight looking her straight in the face and being like what the fuck vader was just a guy in a black suit and and the emperor was just a politician and the force and jedi and all this other well, shit and, is just voodoo and we've like literally just in the last three years learned how long ago something can seem absolutely <laughs> especially when your access to information and your physical isolation plays a part, and uh -huh. you're and you're buried in propaganda, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, this idea that, especially the idea of the inner rims versus the outer rim, I, I really like that too. Like you said, yeah, me too. Out here on this planet, not only is all that stuff mythological, but mm -hmm. also it's irrelevant. It's like the yeah. mythology of the core worlds. So it'd be mm -hmm. like being out in the middle of middle of the boonies in the American Midwest and talking mm -hmm. about. Um, Someone, someone showing up saying that they're a historian and they've been reading up on ancient uh, Hindu gods, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the farmer yeah, would be I mean, like, "Okay, well, pass, pass me the spittoon." You know, like who cares? Yeah, yeah. The only way Luke could get off the planet was to join the military. I mean, that's <laughs> right, right. So I don't know. I think I, I th that aspect of the world building is what I love the most. Oh, and also uh, one more thing, dude. In this last episode, we saw in the flashback. When he was returning to town to confront the Pikes, and you saw, quote unquote, Pikes, you saw people putting the Stormtrooper helmets on Pikes. Oh, yeah, on Pikes, so, yeah. So it kind of implied that there was, you know, that the time that he was in the. It really suggested that he was in the Sarlacc pit for quite a while, and that mm -hmm. then the time spent with the Tuscans was quite a while. Because yeah, they've already established in the Mandalorian and in other things that it's not like the Empire just ended. They continued fighting. They had the whole thing in like Jeddah or whatever. Not Jeddah. Where was it? Um, the other, the raised junk planet, right? There was, oh yeah. that was the final battle. But like, even after Yavin, there was a long protracted end to the Empire. So mm -hmm. the idea that we see that moment that they're actually putting helmets on the pikes to me was a great snapshot in timeline to show that it's a lot fresher that the Empire has finally... Like, that the garrisons were not resupplied on Tatooine, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, That's out on the outer rim, at least, yeah. Right, right, right. So, anyway, pretty cool. So, there's hope. Hope mm -hmm. that they can um, yeah. ranch, ratchet it up a little bit. Maybe let a Agreed. little less Rodriguez, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
I mean, I still look forward to it every week, but it's just like... Yeah, me too. And I think it'll still be fun. It's just not... It's not Mandalorian-level excitement every week. But yeah, I agree. I'm still digging it. Part of the problem also is I bring baggage to the table because Expanse is in its second-to-last or last episode of the supposed mm. end of the season, of the series, which I don't series, believe. Series, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's wild. I don't believe Maybe it. Maybe I'll but... finally watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. But... But, but, like, Friday is the second to last or the last episode. I don't know which. Mm-hmm. And so there's that feeling of, of being, so, I mean, that letdown feeling of it ending, just like we talked about at the mm-hmm. end of Mandalorian or whatever. So I really want Boba Fett to be engaging because it takes me away from my favorite space opera ending. Right. And, uh, cool. So here's that. So, uh, Mr. Man, do you yes. have any planned plunderings? Things that you're planning to plunder that you want to share? Oh, man. I honestly, I really don't right now. Um, I feel like there's something that I should be watching, but I'll be darned if I can think of what it is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that there's something Expanse. that I, I... Well, I would like to watch The Expanse at some point here, but... Um, Gosh, you know what? I really don't. I'm, I've kind of been so head down on deadlines and prepping for things, and we've got a new puppy coming on Saturday, so Woo-hoo! I just cutie. like that's literally all I've been focused on. I understand deadlines and puppy crap. <laughs> I'm gonna put Spider-Man No Way Home here because you do look forward to seeing that. I do when I can. Yeah, yeah so I'm gonna yeah. put that there. Um, okay. So for me, it's two. I want to start. The last book of the series for Expanse is called Leviathan Falls. Nice. Um, Blake read it right away, and it's you know it came out at the end of November. He read it. Um, I wasn't about to finish the book series and the TV show at the same time. Um, not just because so they would... are thirty-five years apart, but also I wanted to stretch it out. <laughs> so I'm finishing the series, then I will start the last book. So I have a question for you about that, because uh-huh. I did recently load the first few books onto my Kindle. Should uh-huh. I watch the show, then read the books? Oh my God, that's versa? a fascinating question. Well? Because I don't want to read a, like do them both concurrently. Because no. That, no. Uh, well, that's really tough. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> so what happened with me was I read... I watched the first season, uh-huh. and I was like, holy shit. Then I got the books, and then I started reading the books. So then I was like three books in when the second season started, whatever it is. And then before the third season started, I had finished all the books to current, right? <laughs> so what that did was it established visually what I see in the series mm-hmm. with some of the characters being mm-hmm. who they look like in the series. But definitely a lot of the... Um, the technology, the ships, the stations, everything else is the way the the series, much like Game of Thrones, much like Harry Potter, um, have really done a great job of defining the look, right, in, in, in a pivotal way. And it's sort of chicken or the egg. Like I couldn't tell you what it would look like to me if I hadn't seen that series. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Totally. But I will say, but I will say that having watched the first season and then switching to the books, certain characters over nine books whatever it is plus novellas certain mm-hmm. characters look different to me in my mind's eye than they are on 
on on uh, on the show. So does that make sense? Like I yeah. see them different. Yeah, totally. Some of those characters look exactly if the show is imprinted on me, and that's what I see when I read it. But other mm-hmm. characters um, have their own form in my mental image, and then and then I have them coexisting like a multiverse in my mind, and that's sim- no, that similar sense. to how the show ex- itself is because it combines books. It merges mm-hmm. storylines, but also it deviates from the books. So it's it's like a successful version of what happened when uh, on Game of Thrones, they tried to go off the reservation from what uh, roadmap they gave them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, no, I totally get that. The like, show's even following the roadmap. It's just, Game of Thrones-wise, like, like Tyrion is 100% who I picture in my head when I read the Game of Thrones books now, uh-huh, but uh-huh. not so much for Daenerys. Like, right. I don't picture Emilia Clarke when I'm reading the books, but it's 100% Tyrion. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so, all Peter Dinklage there. Yeah, I, I honestly... <laughs> so it's impossible for me to say because... Um, a, this is the only way I knew it, and B, mm-hmm. I have no, I have no gripes about it. Like going back right. and rereading the fir- reading the first book after re- after watching the first season, I didn't feel like I was ruined in any way. It, it didn't okay. ruin my Im- my impression of the read. I will say, the show is visually striking, and the performances are good, are really good, and the dialogue's really good. So much so that it's harder for me to remember the book continuity in favor of the show continuity and a lot of literature fans will be like oh the book you know the movie deviated and the book was better mm-hmm. i mean there's certain there are certain aspects to the book storyline that i like better right but the but the but the show governs in my mind and i get incredible enjoyment out of just watching the show so i don't know if it were me i think i would say watch season one of expanse then start reading mm-hmm. the books but okay. I can tell you that, can do that Expanse, I will be really surprised if Expanse is a show that you don't go, yeah, I'm going to keep on watching this and just going to keep <laughs> watching this and watching this. Yeah, I figured that would be the it, case. It, yeah. it would be hard. But I, I'll be honestly, I don't know. I don't know that it would hurt, though, to watch the first season, then stop and read the books, then continue. I'm not really. Okay. I, I like that route for me. Um, hmm. I don't know how I would feel if I watched the entire show, then started the books. Or if I watched the or read the entire books and then started the show. See, that's what I'm curious about because, like, the like you said, with them mixing things together and changing up storylines and stuff, I wonder if I might almost be better served to read the books than watch the show, well, so that I can yeah. see. And that's why I mean yeah. about the first season. I think the first season is really faithful to mm-hmm. the book, so okay. much so that I did not feel dis I didn't feel disjointed when I read the first first book. Um, okay. I think so like I've, I haven't read the Game of Thrones books and sometimes mm-hmm. and I got them on you know I have them but I haven't started reading them and part of it is I start going like oh shit if I go back and this is going to spin off in all these different directions it's going to be so much more involved and so much different than the mm-hmm. show that's a lot of new continuity that I'm going to have to wrap my head around right. I need to be ready for it um, in a way I feel like it was more enjoyable to watch the this this sort of abridged version of the show having mm-hmm. read the more detailed version first i feel like okay. past the first book i would want to read before seeing it okay that makes sense not just because that was my personal experience but just thinking about the content because okay. the story we've 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 mentioned this before on the pod but that story changes forms a couple mm-hmm. of times it becomes different kinds of stories and right. i think that um 
I, I think that that shift is more fascinating in book form than it is in show form. Cool. Okay. So I would say watch the first season, then read the books, mm -hmm. then go back to the rest of the seasons. Okay. I will do that then. All right. Um, okay. Okay. So I have Levi Leviathan Falls, and then also a show that's way high on my list to get to next is uh, Station Seven. Have you heard of it? Why? It's, that sounds familiar, but I can't place why. It's um, I can't remember if it's. I think it might be Netflix, but it's a. It's not just post-apocalyptic, but it's about. It's set in a in a time beyond the apocalypse. It's the rebuilding time, so it's oh, a post-apocalyptic a post-apocalypse civilization, um, and there's some other stuff about it that's that, that was leaked to me by Blake that he shouldn't have, but. I will say <laughs> one of the things I really love. It's called about, Station Seven. I think it's called Station Seven. Let's see, right? Is that right? Station Seven. Station Seven. Yeah, Station Seven. Wait, isn't that it? Station Eleven, possibly. Station Eleven. Station Eleven. Okay. So ignore me. Don't go to that other website because they want to sell you stuff. Station Eleven. <laughs> they do actually. Um, so anyway, uh, setting aside some stuff that was spoiled to me that I didn't need spoiled, um, it reminds me of like one of my favorite Neil Stevenson books is is uh, Seven Eves, and uh -huh. what what I really like about Seven Eves is that its first half is a is set in a in a not present day for us but a moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next half of the book is five thousand years later. <laughs> oh, interesting! And it's a rebuilding of the, of of civilization. So okay. there's such a, a, a spread. And it's not like Canticle for Leibowitz or something like that. It's not like just, you know, dusting off the, the origin of the species and going, oh, yes, okay. You know, <clears throat> you know whatever, using a, 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 a laser disc as a serving platter. Mm -hmm. It's like right. it's 5,000 years of evolution, not just 5,000 years in stasis and then coming back and unearthing things. From the, and like, oh, look how things are different. It's... It's the far future. This is the far future where there have been many, 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 many generations of evolution past when we stopped in the last book and in a in an extreme petri dish environment. Mm -hmm. Like Galap like Galapagos Islands kind of. So so it's so alien and yet it has framework that is familiar, but it's so mutated from what it originally was. That's what makes it fascinating. So Station hmm. Eleven I don't think is anywhere like that. But I like the idea of rebuilding society where the, the meanings of things is lost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Interesting. So what about it's some It's got rum? a great cast from what I'm seeing, too. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's got the girl that did Sabine's voice in Clone Wars or in Rebels. In Rebels. And David Cross, uh, Mackenzie Davis, who I like quite a bit. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Enrico <laughs> Colliantoni. Hmm. It looks like it's on HBO Max. I'm gonna check that out. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that um, Cross was in it. Yeah. Oh, he's that's interesting. Kind of far down the list if you scroll through Imdba, but yeah. Enrico. I'm still wrapping my head around this new interface for Imdba. It almost. I feel like I'm on the wrong website. It's so much yeah, cleaner and better than that black and yellow business they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Where's Lori Petty? Lori Petty, too. Interesting. Hmm. 
That sounds well, like yeah. Check that out. I'm adding I... that to my list also, Tom. <laughs> Synergy. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it there too for science station. Yes. Eleven. Um, so rum field recommendations. What about for um, I watched The Harder They Fall. Oh, yeah. How'd you like it? Really enjoyed it. Uh, it has an amazing cast. The cast oh, yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. But the director manages... It, so the director's worked with Baz Luhrmann mm -hmm. on some things, and you can tell mm -hmm. from watching this. He's also done a lot of music videos. And apparently when he was writing the script and the screenplay and stuff for this... He included musical cues in that so that people knew that that's the, the tone and what was happening in it. And oh, wow. watching the movie, you absolutely get that. It's got this spaghetti Western feel to it, but with like this like weird hip hop touch of like reggaeton soundtrack to it. Mm. It's really interesting, but it is... One of the things that I absolutely love about it is the set direction and costumes and just sort of the general vibe of the Western world that this exists in. Because um, yes. like Delroy Lindo's in it. He plays Bass Reeves. And like the, he's the cities that the main part of the cities that take place are all super vibrant. Everything's freshly painted. It's not that washed out dull western vibe that you get from a typical western mm -hmm. and it really works for this world it's really interesting i'm stoked man i really want to see it yeah. jonathan mate jonathan majors of course right he's amazing and it's zazzy beats is really zazzy great beats, who we love um, um delroy lindo idris elba the cast is phenomenal doesn't have regina king regina king yeah yeah, yeah like I I I recognized virtually every actor in the show. Uh, Edie Gathegi's really great. I don't know how to actually pronounce his name, but that guy's hmm. cool. <laughs> awesome. Damon Wayans Jr. is great in it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic cast, and the direction wait. is it it manages to be like really fresh, but also very spaghetti western at the same time. I was really impressed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I It's got a very mixed vibe, um, like from the review standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is that people are coming into it not expecting the music video end of it, or they're not expecting uh, the Western end of it. It's a very hybrid of the two, and you have to expect both going into it or just be open to both. I, I enjoyed it. I really well, liked it. Well, I think it. the target market probably is not one that is... I mean, the 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 people who are not prepared for the um, the complexity of that are maybe not their target market, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It, it, was, it, was, it was heavily pro propagandized. Um, oh, it's just... It's the, it's, the, it's the Black Western and whatever else. Right. And... and even the me the media when it was first coming out was just all over it like well is this the best is this the best we could do for a black western and you know it's yeah. no tarantino or whatever else and you're like no that's not even i could it's, tell it's from not, the first trailer it's, it's that's really not what funny, it's trying yeah. to be and it has almost a musical vibe to it too it's it's hilarious like 
Um, I don't know if you ever watched. Um... Oh man, it it was a holiday film on Netflix that they did fairly recently with Forrest Whitaker in it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, gosh, yeah, yeah. Where he called? was the. He... He was like the maker of the things. Toy maker and the, thing. The toy maker, yeah. yeah. I yeah. jingle jangle a Christmas journey. That's right. I love that show. It was so fun. It was colorful. It was unique. It was really creative. And this is sort of got that same vibe to it, mm-hmm. where it's like it it hits all of the right notes exactly how it should, but I'm not sure who it's made for. <laughs> Did um did you say that there was reggae in the in the soundtrack? It's got a little bit of a kick to it, yeah. Because the the name of the film, of course, is uh is playing off of uh, um, Jimmy Cliff. So mm, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, okay, the, yeah. The director is actually Seal's little brother. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Seal's a human with family. Yes. So <laughs> my. My recommendations are twofold. One is the new season of Always Sunny in Philadelphia is on. So mm, I'm working my way through that. Nice. It's been, in my view, it's been a little bit inconsistent. It's been really good. Okay. But then also, um, there's been a couple things I didn't like, but most everyone else I've talked to love the, love the whole thing. So there could also okay. be maybe some, am I in the right mood or whatever? Because I love that show. Right. Maybe my expectations are really high. I've also been listening to the Always Sunny podcast, which is oh. them going back three of them going back and watching their original they're watching no all way. their episodes and then commenting oh that's and it's not fun. just like a director's cut it's them just talking about remembering making it and then also just spinning off into just arguing about things and so i'm i'm very immersed either in what they're talking about or episodes i've seen that were earlier on when they were really mm-hmm. um low budget and mm-hmm. some of the stuff in the latest season is a little slick even though it's the same tone, so it's fine. But I like it. Okay. Um, and then the other one right on. is <clears throat> this one's not getting as it's not getting the same bad rap that um, Luca did, where mm-hmm. Disney put it on Disney Plus, and it could if it had been in the theaters, it would have been an Oscar award winner. Mm-hmm. I think Luca was amazing. Um, but this new one is called Encanto. Oh yeah, I've heard really good things about that. Uh, it's really fascinating. So this one's kind of leaning into, uh, um, I, I think it's Guatemalan culture, but it's um, mm-hmm. a very stylized, obviously, world. But the dancing, the way that they use the songs, the colors, the the vi- the vibrant nature of the um, the way in which the the built environment as well as the natural environment is used in the story, um, and even mm-hmm. the way that some of the different characters are diversified, it's really really great. And the songs are nice. very catchy too. So, um, I highly recommend it. Right on. That's on Disney. Disney Plus. Disney. It's a big old, big old cool. free, free for thee. So, nice. all right, man. Well, listen. So this has been a great uh, what good one hundred percent of our podcasting for twenty twenty two to date. Yeah. To date. <laughs> so far, it is the absolute best podcast we've done this year. I think it really is. I think that arguably it's our best this year for sure. It's, um, it's hard not to the compete. most newsworthy, <laughs> yeah, but the most, perhaps. but the most of note. Those are two different yes, things. Indeed. So, um, l- listen, my friend, uh, you go back to um, go tend to your boar and go ride it around mm-hmm. uh, Idaho, and I will um, ascend back to the cloud city where I live, and then we will reconvene in another 
six months or so, we'll do another episode. Sounds excellent.